Welcome to Game Face episode 181 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Yes, we are back after just a few days. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of stuff happened in those few yeah, days. Yeah, as promised. Uh, we did a la- our last show on Thursday. We're back here on Tuesday, and we'll be back on our regular Tuesday schedule probably till the end of the year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, here we are on Tuesday, and we have plenty of stuff to talk about today. There's no shortage of content or games to discuss. We're going to talk about some big ones today. Uh, a couple things before we get started. Um, questions for Pactor Factor are going to be posted on both Sifted and on our Patreon, probably when I get back from recording this show today. Uh, so look out for that. A um, couple other things. We are on iTunes, people. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize it or not. A lot of people who watch on YouTube have asked for an audio-only version of Game Face, which I can't understand because you can always just play the YouTube version and just listen to it if you want. But if you have bad bandwidth wherever you're listening, that's you want, true. Or you want to save data cap. That's true. Uh, we are on iTunes, and it would be awesome, even if you guys watch this on YouTube or on Sifted or on Patreon, it would be awesome if you guys could go to our iTunes page and review the uh, podcast. Right now, we have like a perfect 5.0 rating, but we only have like 50 or 60 reviews. Uh, the more reviews you get, the more you bubble up, the more we can be discovered by people who are looking for gaming podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. Also, those of you who are on Android and have never had a podcast feed of Game Face, that is all about to change. Probably before we do next week's episode, the podcast will be up on Android as well. Uh, we're lo- really looking at distributing the podcast out to as many outlets as possible, probably on Stitcher and a bunch of other places. But obviously, Android has been the huge hole for Game Face ever since since the uh, show launched. So look for that. But again, go on iTunes, subscribe, give us a review. That would be awesome. Look out for Pactor Factor questions. We're shooting the new episodes on Friday at his crib. Um, so look out for that in the next couple days Does as well. Does he call well. it that? What? The crib. He does, actually. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> He tries to use street vernacular every once in a while, and I'm not sure why. Among you can't o- use street vernacular. You're on a boat. Among other vernacular, I might add. Among, it's mm. uh, it's been a little rough week for Pac. I don't know what's going on with him the last like couple months. But you must have missed that. Oh, you didn't miss it. You're the one who tipped me off to it. Oh, that right. Yeah, yeah. So have an interesting conversation with Pac on Friday about that uh, article that floated around about him. I've got a, we've got a lot of messages about that too on like mm. YouTube and on our Patreon. I think most people get... You didn't say it on Pactor Factor. Leave us alone. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I do, honestly. Um, but it's... You wouldn't have left that in, Pactor Factor, um, frankly. Probably not. Not the specific part that people are Yeah, I mean, about. it depends on context. Like, I know Pactor really well. I've worked with him for, like, 13 years. So I know when he says stuff like that that inflames people. I know he's joking. But when you see it written in text in an article mm-hmm. and you just read some of his quotes you're like oh my god did he really say that i don't know he he has it tough like people come at him from all angles and at the end of the day he's like just this awesome guy who knows his shit and uh he's at the point of it in his life where he's tired of dealing with like internet rabble right but you know it even in jest, maybe don't tell people to kill themselves. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a poor choice. In the year of our Lord 2019. Yeah, even when you're joking, that's probably something. There are other ways to insult people. I mean, for instance, we don't say stuff like that. But Because right. I don't think we've reached the I don't give a shit point yet, Matt. <laughs> he is there. He's like, 
I, you know, he's about to retire, I'm guessing. He doesn't True. need to work again. He's At like, the, But even when I'm retirement age, I don't think... I've lost enough friends to suicide that I don't think that will be my go-to insult. Yeah, so. I, I hear you. I'm, I'm right there with you. I would never say something like that. But, uh, but anyway, it was a joke, and it was in jest. I mean, other than that, like, I understand where he's coming from, but... Uh, yeah. You could use other words to yeah. get the same point across. Use your words. Your, you, you must have so many words, like crib. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that's what's going on in Sifted Land. Uh, the website stuff's still going on. Uh, we've had a couple people have issues reconnecting, like once they figured out that they weren't paying anymore, and then they went on Patreon, and then they paid there, and then connected. We're working on all that stuff. If you have any issues with that stuff, just reach out to us. You can come at me, at Shane on Sifted. You can message us on Patreon. We're on it. So today we had a problem and we started working on it right away. We'll get it fixed for you guys. We'll get it sorted or sifted right away. Uh, but for the most part, the stuff that's been going on behind the scenes has been very successful. Our Patreon is at, as the month turned over, was our highest Patreon total in well over a year. So I wanna thank all you guys who are jumping on. We have momentum. It feels great to have momentum. Our Patreon is going up. Our views are going up. Our views for Game Face on YouTube are going up. Hmm. Um, so everything's pointed in the right direction. It seems like all the stuff that we're doing is kind of working. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Which is amazing. <laughs> I've done so much stuff that hasn't worked. It's good to see stuff working. It's important so, to have a running start before you hit the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just want to thank you. Wherever you are listening to this, on whatever device you're listening on, thank you for your support. Even if you're just on iTunes and you gave us a review or whatever and you subscribed, that matters. Um, everyone who's subscribing via Twitch Prime, I saw Sub Barracuda just subscribe for like the 10th month straight. Thank you. You guys are all awesome. All this stuff is adding up to help us sustain our business. So thank you guys so much for everything you've done. Uh, let's keep going. A lot of people are like, how can I help? I love Game Face. We get a lot of comments on YouTube. They're like, this is the best gaming podcast on YouTube. Um, share the show. Tell other people that it's the best gaming podcast on YouTube. Um, it's a huge help to us. If you can't afford to spend any money or whatever, or you don't have you know, Amazon Prime, just share the show. It makes a big, big difference. Just even if you only have 20 followers, it doesn't matter. One of those 20 people could find our stuff and like it and wanna contribute to our Patreon. So thanks to everything everyone's doing and uh, thanks to anything you guys do in the future. It's all working. All right, let's get on with the show. We have three, pre well, two really big games, two or a third kind of big game to talk about today couple other fun topics to get to. I think it's going to be a great show. And we're going to kick things off with Ghost Recon Breakpoint. A closed beta happened this weekend. And mm -hmm. as you guys probably remember, we gave away codes for that. Hopefully the people we gave codes to had fun. Um, and we're able to find the damn code to download the Yeah, thing. the whole thing was really convoluted. Well, I, I said, mate, you put the code in on the website and it said, like, we'll send you an email when it's time to preload. And I never got the email and I had to dig into my Ubi Club account or whatever they call it I would it have now. never even and, known to do that. Like, and you texted I, me yeah, I and you're like, oh, I figured it section. out. Like, there's a little section on the website where you can go get your beta codes. Yeah, but I never got the email. I did. So. I got it, like, the next day at the end of the day. And I had emailed Ubisoft PR and said, hey, like, none of these codes are working. We can't get the email that, like, lets us in. Never heard from them, but then like the next day, like I got an email. Hmm. So I did get that with like the code or whatever. But anyway, let's talk about what was actually on offer. And it was a lot. Was this a was basically, yeah. it was basically, I mean, they cut you off at a certain point, but you could kind of choose to do whatever you wanted. Yeah, it's like the first, like, you know, it's, it's enough main, main story missions to get you kind of up and running with all your abilities and everything set to like where you're like, okay, where you're like, okay, this is what the game's gonna be. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, 
and, and then you can and play then side, missions, side missions, and you then want. you can wander around for the four provinces that are open and do whatever you want and like find random stuff. I mean, I didn't do too much of that because the progress doesn't carry over, so yeah. why go nuts on that? But yeah. I, I just wanted to get the lay of the land, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, I played probably eight hours of it. Yeah, I was probably around there, maybe a little more than that. Because um, after I finished like the campaign, where it's like, okay, this is as far as you're gonna go. Mm -hmm. I just started like diving into all the other stuff, and I will say this about the game: it makes all those options very accessible. Yeah. But that was also, I think, the most surprising thing for me about the game is mm -hmm. that it's like so many other games. Yeah. I, I so when we first it's Wildlands with Tim Cook as the bad guy. Basically. Yeah. So you know the way they marketed it was supposed to be like the strategic team-based tactical shooter, which I never believed. You're yeah, right. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Is like I I thought that it would be that way. I'm a Ghost Recon okay. fan. So, but like when we came back from E3, I didn't see the demo there, and you did, and you said as soon as you see the gameplay, you're gonna believe that it's tactical. So what did they show you there? Multiplayer. That was, that was oh, okay. Yeah, that's what they were showing there, and you did have to play as a team and be very tactical with it. The actual ga game that you play, the campaign, is nothing like that. Oh, it's it's run and gun Rambo style as much as Wild I never was. even used like all the stuff that they showed in like no. the first trailer, like the mud camo. No, not no at you all. don't have to use any. Of I mean, that I, stuff. I did that once because I wanted to do it, but I never used it in an actual combat situation. Yeah, I just tried it to see how it I worked. I mean, it was exa it's exactly the same as Wildlands. Like, I go in, I try to kill guys quietly, I finally it I, doesn't I work. blow it, and like <laughs> everyone in the world comes running at me, and I gun them all. You know, with the first, you know, early on with the starting assault rifle, I gunned down like 25 guys and blew up a helicopter and stole yeah. the, you know, and all of that, I got a, I got a suppressor. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, so like it's it's the same, you know, single player wise, except for the fact that you don't have companions, uh, your your three squad mates. Uh, it's the same game. It really is. I'm disappointed by that. To be perfect, like extremely disappointed. To be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I it's exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, I, I mean, I still enjoy it. I. The thing is, it's so huge. It's so the world. I mean, you're seeing it right now. That, like, the map is just gigantic. I look at it. and I'm just like, do I want to? play this this fall not look really. at the lower third there long yeah yeah long division that is true there's a lot of the division in this game. there's a lot of the division in this and there's a lot of assassin's creed odyssey in the way this the, the the missions play out they they use the same like kind of when you set odyssey and um origins to uh like the kind of the vague quest marker where they just sort of tell you where it is and you have to find the specific location like you can that's turn, you can turn that, that on and off well same, same i with left it on same with assassin's creed <laughs> Um, I, t I left it on, so I, I had to find the actual location. Oh, I didn't. Like, they um, tried to turn it off, and I'm like, no, leave it on. I, ke I kept it Assassin's Creed style. Okay. Uh, which I thought was pretty fun. I, I, you know, it was a little annoying trying to figure out where they meant by this and what this was and which lake this was or whatever and where Precipice Falls was. Um, but it kind of came together. Like, at one point, I, I checked into, I found, like, an Intel thing, and it told me where the Precipice Falls Intel's biv bivouac a big part was. Of this game. And then, like, yeah. oh, so, okay, so that's where that is. So if I, look, like, kind of go out from around here, I'll find it. And then I kind of went, and then eventually I figured out if you press square on the map, it just pops up all the place names. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that would have been good to know <laughs> earlier. I but, mean, look, navigating the UI in this game is an arduous task, I think. Yeah. There is so was, much stuff in the menus. And, like, it's weirdly sluggish. I mean, I will say that it's a beta. Yeah. There's a lot of glitches in this thing. The animation is garbage. A lot yeah. of the, I mean, not animation, like the actual animation of the characters, but, like, the characters are, like, there's, like, screen tearing on the characters' faces when they move. There's tons of 
typos in the yeah. subtitles? Have like, you noticed, too, that the camera, like, rack focuses on the wrong thing? Yes, there's a lot of blurry cutscenes. Like, you'll be talking to yeah. someone, and they're blurry, but, like, yeah. the back of your character's head is, it's like, razor, razor sharp. Razor sharp yeah. <laughs> and this, by the way, happens on both systems, because I played on oh, okay. PS4, and a friend of mine was playing on Xbox, and he sent me pictures of the blurriness on the same cutscene, so that's universal. Okay. Um, the uh, the other thing, like, there was, there's, like, weird typos where it's, like, in one of the scenes, uh, the the leader of the homesteaders is saying like how he doesn't doesn't want you to bring in more troops or whatever. And he's like he's like I don't need, you know, I don't need a bunch of grunts on my island. But the subtitle says yeah. I don't need a bunch of grounds <laughs> on yeah, my I saw island. That. And I'm like, dude, if you don't know the word grunt, you should not be subtitling the Tom <laughs> Clancy game like that. Like what the hell? There's a bunch. Of, it's like not typos, but it's like you didn't understand the word they said right. here. Did anyone give the subtitle people the script? I like know. it's very yeah. weird. Um, Let's, we should probably share what the plot is because they weren't really that clear about it. Such as it is, I mean. Yeah, you're a part of like. Are you? You're the leader of this ghost recon squad. Yeah. That yeah, basically there's a there's an island. It sounds like it's about two thousand kilometers east of New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, they talk about Auckland. A yeah. Lot. Called Aurea. Or- yeah. Aurora. Aur- Aurora. 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 Yeah. It's Aurora without the second R. Yeah. Um, and it's like a tech paradise started by sort of like a Tim Cook, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos type to invent World 2.0. Yeah. Where they're gonna like. You know, reinvent it's be a everything. Utopia, yeah. And at some point, they lose contact with the island, and so they, uh, the U.S. sends in this Ghost Recon team to figure out what's going on and reestablish contact. And the choppers that your t- your squads are in get shot down, and you are the only not sur- shot down. Though. Well, yeah. Well, they get droned down. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they uh, they you don't go- know how it goes. Well, yeah. they do kind of show it, I guess. They figure it out eventually. Yeah. Like by the time this demo's over, you see. Why? Why? What happened? Yeah. And um, the uh, and you're the last, sur- the only survivor of your helicopter, and there's a few other survivors. But basically, you you fight your way out of where you are, and you find your way to this like homesteader sort of resistance hideout where your other the other survivors of, their, of your ghost squad have have managed to end the, up. The ones that are alive, anyway. Yeah. And uh, and from there, you're basically drafted into like you know. Figure reestablishing content because because the the ship you came from is off the coast. If you can find like a boat to get you out there, you can uh, you can get help. But it turns out that there's a reason you can't do that. So you're stuck on this this island and you have to like basically take down this tech guy on your own. You don't really know why it's happening at this point. Like one of the one of the big mission like Intel missions is figure out find the guy find the, the 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 founder guy and figure out why this is happening like all the all your, your the conflict you have was with like basically a like private military services that are here to like police the island but like even the people who work for the company don't seem to like them very much like it seems Did like they called the wolves yeah the wolves and like the wolves are led by this like guy who looks a lot like um yeah he's uh He's the, the Punisher guy. Yeah, I can't, he's I can't the remember dude from his name. The Walking Dead. Yeah, and, yeah, the guy who was on stage at E3. Yeah, Punisher. I can never remember his name. Yeah. But he he plays the guy who who heads the wolves. And in a flashback, you find out that he was on your team at some yeah, point. Yeah, in F or the Middle East, you were. Yeah, he was in your. That squad. flashback, by the way, takes place in 2022. I saw that. So I <laughs> guess it's, it's another 10 years out. Near game. future game. Ubisoft yeah. loves loves, uh, you know. In the near future stuff, they love the day after tomorrow. It stuff. allows them to have fun without having to be yeah. on the hook for anything. Because this like takes this pretty much takes place at the same time as Watch Dogs Three would if they were in the yeah. same universe. That's true. 
And we'll probably find out that they are. You never in know. The same I think the Tom Ubisoft Clancy stuff. Does that. I think the Tom Clancy stuff is separate. Yeah, yeah. In general, like Tom Clancy, but Assassin's Creed and Watch Dogs are the same universe. Yeah, yeah, they are. But um, so that's sort of the basic premise: is like you know, tech gone wrong and on a so, private one island. Of, one of those cult of personality. I mean, it's funny to be talking about this. Uh, it's like know, Far right, Cry. right when Apple TV Plus gets announced. Uh, it's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. But there's there's sort of a cult mentality to the... To I mean, the, it's a lot like Far Cry, in all honesty, as far as... It is as a little bit like Far Cry, yeah. Um, you're on this place that you can't get out of, and you're dealing with crazy people. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> That's a, the plot synopsis in 10 words. A lot more drones in this one. Yeah. Um... But like it's you know it's fine it's a good premise it's a it's a it's a good premise for like you know you know modern times because that's sort of where we are it's also a good premise to avoid having to just like blow the shit out of another country full of brown people yeah uh, which has been a continuing issue for the Tom Clancy game so yeah. here's a here's a good egalitarian enemy uh, that you can feel good about. Um, I guess, like I don't know, like you overhear like the conversations of the soldiers, and they're really just like kind of like soldiers of fortune, American dudes who are like, yeah, I don't know, I just can't wait to get home to my wife and kids, and, yeah. and it's like, but what about all the stuff we're doing? It's like, oh, it'll be fine. It's like, no, it won't. Headshot, headshot. Okay. Oh, cool. I get your stuff. Uh, ammo and ten dollars. Great. I killed two men for for ammo and ten dollars. Now this game does have a lot of the Ubisoft open world game tropes. Oh, for it sure. has like strongholds that you have to go and take over. No towers though. Yeah, no towers. So far. We saw already your thing in the B roll. There are camps that you can set up and from that yeah. camp you can like fast travel from you can fast travel from that point on. You can invite people to your game from that point. Mm -hmm. You can craft stuff. You can you have a you have a like a a leisure activity you can partake in that gives you like a bonus for yep. a period of time. Like you can eat and that makes you more resistant to damage. You can drink and that makes you harder. Your stamina doesn't run out as much. The one thing that really did surprise me about this game, I wasn't expecting it to be like a hardcore survival sim or any kind of like thing. Like you know, I, th I thought all that stuff was just marketing hype and trailer manipulation. But I am shocked at how irrelevant all that stuff is. Like, like they give you a canteen and explain to you how you need to drink out of the canteen to replenish fatigue. And I spent, like, like I'm not kidding, like three hours playing. And I'm like, when am I going to need to drink something? It happened to me. And, and when it happens, you start running really funny. Like, yeah. I don't... <laughs> Well, because what happens is, is, near as I can tell, is what happens is when you're... If you sprint or whatever with your, and you let your stamina run out... It lowers the total stamina bar. Yeah. Slow. And every time you do that, you lose a little more, a little more, a little more. And yeah. then once that gets down enough, you're fatigued. That never happened to me because I never let stamina run out when uh, I when I sprint in games. Yeah. Unless I'm like under fire or something. Right. Right. And um and so I'm like oh that that's that's it that's all and like you know the 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 um the wound thing is like you just hold L one. For a while it takes it, a long time it takes a while but like like if you have i've certain, done it in the middle of a firefight like no one comes at me i mean yeah i mean there's there's kind of two different levels to the health system it's like yeah. if you're gravely injured then you have to use the bandages and mm -hmm. it takes a lot longer to heal it's yourself. a little bit like resistance like you have four life chunks yep and once it goes below and if you get injured like one of the chunks goes away yep and you like have minor injuries or major yeah. injuries and like and you will like limp or, or yeah. you know it, 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 it impacts your gait uh, my briefly. guy was running like yeah, a stick up is you know what. Yeah, it, I mean it, it 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 impacts your for a while, but then they they tend to get over it after after a, a few few seconds. But like, yeah, I just run behind a thing and he, I don't know, maybe I should be playing on hard or something. I will say this, like, um, 
Wildlands was very much the same in terms of sort of just like kind of walking through the main game. But then when they started putting up the special stuff in DLC, like the Predator thing and the Splinter Cell thing, that stuff was hard. Yeah. Like you had, I had to get like teammates and real human beings and coordinate with them. I mean, I honestly felt that. like even like the end parts of Wildlands, there you could see the run right yeah. there. That was it. it was right a, there. That's his mud run. Yeah. Was, you were in mud. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I uh, I'm I'm disappointed that this game is so much like Ubisoft's other games. But my biggest complaint of all is that it just doesn't play well. So like the vehicle controls, like they said that they focused on those. Like <laughs> here, right on cue, for example, like aiming your grenades. Like there's no real mm. arc that you can see, and like even if there is one, it doesn't like go through objects the way the grenades actually gonna travel. I felt like the aiming was really squirrely in this game. I had, it took me a long mm. time to where I could really light, like, glenn up my shots. I felt like the running and the traversal is all goofy and weird. And, like, he ha- takes forever to, like, turn around and run the other direction. Yeah, that idea. I mean, I haven't – I thought the – I think the aiming and the – I actually think the driving's better than Wildlands. It is better, but um, I still think it's not terrible. Not that that means it's great, but, like, it's it's fine – the main, the I main don't think thing, it is fine. The main, I think it's bad. Like I actually almost got car sick right driving a buggy because the camera, it like jumps with every jolt mm. of the car, and I started getting nauseous. And also, like the the camera will, if you turn your car, the camera will turn on its own around the car. It's like you have full control, except in certain instances, the game kind of takes over and will start adjusting the camera, like. Mm. Like, I, I thought the helicopters vastly improved. Helicopters over the way last better. Game. Although the helicopter, so my issue with the camera in this game is that I play with inverted Y, as all men of taste and culture do, <laughs> and inverting Y for the vehicles and on the helicopter also inverts Y for the camera. There's no separate uh, thing for the camera and for the, like, they, they got so granular in how you could set the controls for this game that they forgot to make a separate camera thing. So, like, when you invert Y for the camera on the the helicopter, you also invert Y on the for pitch, everything. Oh, which geez. is completely unintuitive. So huh. then you have to go into the, 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 the control bindings and, sw- and I undid it all and went in and per type a vehicle, you have to swap really? manually the the fl- like just the just let me flip the camera. <laughs> like all I want to do is have inverted Y on the camera. Like I and like every other game Ubisoft has ever made is fine with that. I don't know except Beyond Good and Evil, which can't do it without flipping X as well. But like I don't understand why all of a sudden that's a thing. Maybe that's just a beta error. But like that was annoying. Like to make it play. But I, th- I mean, you know, I, I want the camera. I want the look inverted. That's it. And yeah. like, it kept inverting. It kept inverting the the pitch controls, or it would only apply to certain vehicles. And every time I get in a new vehicle, the pitch, like, the, I get on a boat, and the pitch would not be inverted. And I have to go in and swip, swap it specifically for, oh, for the geez. boat, even though my. Now wait, does that carry across all boats? Maybe I only drove one boat. boat. I only drove one kind of boat. Oh man, so I, don't know. I have a feeling they'll fix that stuff. I hope so. I would hope so. I mean, it should just be one. Thing. It should be a yeah. camera invert. Done. That's it. Yeah, that's all it should be. If I want to fine-tune it beyond that, I can go into the individual. But in, if I set a universal setting, that setting should be universal. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. So I don't know what happened there. Um, I don't like the way this game controls, just in general. I just think it feels sluggish think, and weird. I think it's fun. I mean, it feels like, like Wildlands to me, more or less. Uh, I do think... Um, 
there's a lot of weird physics wonkiness happening uh, when you're climbing stuff, when you're trying to like mantle over things. Yeah. When you're like, anytime you hit it's any kind of any kind of like grade, anytime you hit any kind of grade in the game, like the animation doesn't always seem to know what to do. Well, it's like it's trying to. I have do... my character trying to like climb up thin air a few times, yeah. like it just didn't. That's actually kind of one of the things I liked, though. It's like if you're running really fast downhill, it's very realistic because. Human beings just can't really do right. that very but, well. But going uphill is weird. Yeah. Like, really weird. I feel like the movement controls in general are just off. Um, I don't. I, I think they're fine. I mean, I wouldn't, like, write home and say, like, oh, my God, this game controls so well. But it controls fine. Like, it, it didn't bother me. Um, the camera stuff bothered me. And, um, I mean, I was... Guns feel okay. I was tagging headshots left and right, no problem. Like, I was not... It was not an issue. Um... So I don't know. Like the, my, the the movement thing was a problem in part because it feels so much like Assassin's Creed. I always had the temptation to just jump off the nearest cliff right, when I right. wanted to go. Where, I There's mean, got to be a bale of hay down there somewhere. You do have a parachute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you can uh, kind of get away with it in places. Jump. But like, yeah. um, there were just a few times where I was like, oh wait, no, I can't do that in this game. Um, and uh, I didn't actually drive many places. Like, like I, I just did it to try out the controls and like, see drove, how yeah, how alive things, the world but, was. Like. It's not that alive. No. I mean, in its current state, there aren't a lot of random enemies, like, out on the roads. And, no. and there's a lot of weird, like... I mean, I saw a lot of random enemies, and like, I, like driving around, but they weren't on, like, a patrol or anything. And, like, obviously, you have the, the UAVs that go over. Yeah. And, like, if they... Sp if they that, it's one of the Predator drone things spots you... Get Look ready. Yeah. Like, it's like a 10-minute fight. And you can stumble um, into areas of this game where you just get annihilated. Yeah. Like, I, I tried to go into one of the Wolves camps... I killed like three or four of them, and I got shot once and died. Yeah, the the one, the one time I died was because I stumbled across this thing that was guarded by one of the drone tanks, uh, and the drone tank just I was like, why is everything red? Boom, <laughs> yeah, gone. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, and there's no penalty. It doesn't seem like no. They, 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 they just kind of respawn. They don't even respawn you like at your last bivouac. They respawn you like ten feet away, and yeah. it's like, oh, but get out of here. Like, yep. They basically respawn you like right outside the hostile zone of where you died. So it's like that's yeah. nice. Like that's yeah. good. No, there's not a lot of running to get back to where you were. Um, you know, the gun, the gun upgrade stuff is weird and deep and crazy. Yeah, um, the, yeah, the it's nuts. Like you can explode your gun and just basically build it from scratch. Yeah. You if can you, want you can to. change the color of everything you're wearing. Uh, you can also like customize how you want your whole outfit to look so that whatever you equip doesn't change what your character looks like. Yep. That's nice. Yep. Um, I mean, options, options, options. That's all what I'm saying, that UI in this is, there's so much stuff. Yeah, and it, like, it gets you there, but, like, it's not an elegant interface. Yeah. Um, there are a couple times when I upgraded something without meaning to upgrade it because I didn't know what, the, what I was doing yet. Um, but luckily, you know, the resources are pretty plentiful. But, like, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's it so really much like other, it is. Yeah, that's my biggest disappointment. I really thought that this was going to be something different. I just, I never understood why you thought that. I, I, it's, it's, it's Ghost Recon. It's not Ghost Recon because Ghost Recon isn't defined by that until Wildlands, as we it's talked about before. It's beginning to become. Defined I mean, that's this by is it, what though. this is what Ghost Recon is from now. now on, I promise yeah. you. Until it, the, until they make an uh, an uh, installment that doesn't sell and they retire it for like five years until they figure out what to do next. Yeah. But um. Like yeah, this is this is Ghost Recon now, basically. That's it's, sad. Well, because Wildlands sold so well, like there's no way they were gonna rock the boat on this. Like I said before, it's just they're gonna make it again. Um, 
and you know there is a, there is a way to play. I mean, I bet if you put this up to extreme difficulty, you have to play a lot smarter than I've been playing. But most people aren't going to do that. So um, I mean, I, I didn't. I, it's not like I didn't enjoy it. I played it for like all day on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, but, I I enjoyed it. It just I felt like I was going through the motions again. Like yeah. I felt like I had just yeah. fired up the division too and was just playing that. And then there's there are differences. Uh, the biggest difference is kind of the focus on the missions. Like a lot of right. the missions are like intel gathering. In fact, there's a whole branch of missions that are just intel gathering. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that sets it apart a little bit, but it doesn't change the game. Yeah, there's a lot of they've taken a lot of stuff on board from the division and that's both good and bad in place. I do think the hub is stupid, like the fact that, like you're running around the the homestead like base and everyone's talking about like not too many, you know, there's like five of us survived and like there aren't enough of us to take on the security force. Meanwhile, like you can see all the other players. So like there's hundreds of dudes in tat gear just running around. Everyone's like, yeah, I think we're really outnumbered. <laughs> there's 4,000 people here. I don't yeah. know. What... It's weird too how when you're in the hub, like everybody is gathered around that same area. Yeah, they're all around the shop. And they're visible. They're all, yeah. Like a lot of times when stuff like that, you don't see the actual players just standing around. And like you'll go to like the bar, and there's like 50 people standing around. Like mm-hmm. that's where like you get your missions or whatever. Like it's a little interesting in that way. But overall, I'm just it's again, you're right. It's not a bad game. And if you're excited about this and you thought it was going to be like Wildlands, hey, you're going to have a ball with this. I really thought from the way they presented the game at first that it was going to be different, and it's really not. All the stuff that they presented. In that original trailer, that original like little snippet of gameplay, like you don't really need to use any of that stuff. No, it's there, but it's not. It's not necessary. like this. Like you take each step and then uh, you stop and look. No. It's like that's not what it is. Well, if it was, if it was like that, and the map was this big, you'd never finish it. Like it can't be that. Well, right though, I didn't think the map was going to be that big. I thought it was oh. going to be a tighter experience, more focused on. Oh, my sweet summer child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Ubisoft really is kind of just locked into this template for its games at this point. I well, I think this is even more of an. I mean, the first one sold like wildfire. Yeah. So of course they're not going to rock that boat. Huh? My character has the same scar. <laughs> but um, this is the guy who had the biggest focus pull problems. Yeah. Like I think I I think the B roll cuts off before it gets really. Yeah. The, bad. the later scenes with this guy are just like. You're looking at him, and yeah. he's just completely blurred out. Yeah, it's yeah. like somebody put a Vaseline filter on him for his close-up or something. It's, and I'm guessing they'll fix this stuff. Yeah, I, would I imagine, hope. Yeah, th- I mean, this is this beta build is probably months old. Yeah. You know? um, also, like, when I talked to him, it was the right time of day that the, um, the shadows of the trees were right over him. And you could just see it doing that thing open world games do. The where clock the, the, ticking. The, yeah, they just... It's like the second hand. It was just... I had to stop looking at it. I was like, oh, God, it's too ugly. I can't I can't do this. Yeah, this game is... I mean, it's not ugly, but it has a lot of the typical late-gen issues, LOD problems, pixelated Yeah, it's got a lot of, like... Well, the Xbox version has some pretty bad pop-up. Yeah, this PS4 Pro has it, too. I played the PS4 version. I didn't see... Didn't that pop up the way the Xbox did? What the PS4 seems to do is it blends in the ground clutter and then anything that can be blown by the wind and a lot of like grass and weeds and stuff get blown by anything that can be blown by the wind just like pops up uh, <laughs> like it's just like like we want you to see this yeah it's like boing it like pops <laughs> up and then the wind starts to affect it so it's just like it's like the ground is constantly like popping weeds out of itself or something it's very weird yeah a lot of open world games have that lighting problem where literally the lighting is on like a second hand of a clock yeah. If you stare at the ground and you watch the shadows, they tick across the ground. Yep. 
And so when I notice games that don't do that, I'm always impressed. But this is another one that act, that does do that. Yeah, and this one does it like bad. Yeah, like, it, it, like there, there's ways to blend that. Like Witcher Three does it, but it does it in kind of a, like a more of a like a smoother motion. Uh huh. But like this one, it's just like you literally see the seconds ticking. Yeah. So and like a lot of games like this, when you get up close and personal, it gets messy. There's, the melee options sure. are not great, yeah, I mean, but that's typical of these games. You can t- there's like a lot of emphasis on CQC stuff, which I'm just like, why would you ever put points into that? Like you yeah. never like if you do CQC in this game outside of like um, stealth kills, you screwed up. You're dead. Well, yeah. you're gonna get shot because there's enough guys that they're yeah. just gonna target you, and you're gonna and you do die pretty easily in this. Each, I'm, I'm, each slug again, I, has some kind of an impact. Sort of. I, I never came close to dying from gunfire. I think if you, it depends on how you play it, because I would just run around and jump out of the car and just run into, like, I could see the, uh. the little blip on the side of the road showing that there's enemies there. I'd pull up and just get out and just run into battle. Uh, see, I always, and if you do that, you get caught out in the open, you, right. you die. Well, I always throw the drone up and spot yeah. everybody and then go in. So yep. I can see where people are coming. Because like basically, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get two, maybe three guys before somebody spots me. And I'm just going to post up behind this cover and kill them all as they run in like idiots at me. Yeah. Which is exactly what they do. I'm sure they, yeah. you know, like Wildlands, they didn't do that. Like, but you can watch it right areas. here in this clip. They just come running. Yeah, they stand They're there. just lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> and, they, you know, they, this is like a, a story mission. So, like, I don't expect them to be, like, super sharp in the story. But this happens when I, when I would go into, like, facilities that are like warning me that I'm not high enough level for it and stuff because the thing is even though there's levels even though there's like areas where like oh you should have level whatever gear for this um headshot kills someone in one I mean this gun that I have right here I shot some guy in the crotch and he died in one shot but this is not like division like the, the levels don't determine like resilience like yeah Unless they're wearing a helmet, like, if you shoot someone in the head, whether they're level 1 or level 50, they die. And they should. They should, yeah, I don't that's care good. what level you are. You get shot in the head with this huge like the, rifle round, the, you should die. The, the level uh, stuff really just tells you, like, gives you an, an idea of what kind of equipment they have. Yeah. Which is which is important. I mean, yeah, you know, because yeah. like you said, it does like, matter. a high-level guy will kill you much faster because he has, has a better weapon. Yep. But like they're not they they're not gonna stand up to your sniper rifle from like a thousand yards any more than anybody else unless they have a helmet on which they have to shoot the helmet off and then shoot them in the head. Yeah, and that's pretty satisfying. Yeah, and the cover system I think works good. Like I don't have any issues with that. That seems to control great and have all the functionality that you'd need. Um, but I think just in general, it just feels as way less inspired than I thought it was going to. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like, I would, pr- I would probably consider picking this up very strongly if it was like a Dead Spring or something release. Yeah. But the fact that it's this fall, like, I, it's a real wait and see for me to see also, what I'm playing at the time. I also played the crap out of the Division Two, like. Well, I, never, I didn't play the Division Two at all, so this is. So you had this, a little hiatus. This is less uh, repetitive to me in that sense. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Uh, beta's over. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks this is cracked open for everybody. Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, what, it's October 4th? Yeah. Ubisoft's pretty good about letting fans get their hands on stuff before it comes out. So I have a feeling probably not this weekend, but the next weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an open beta that probably has most of the same stuff that we played and maybe a couple extra things. Mm. Um, Chat, I, chat's commenting on your choice of targets. Choice of targets. Chain shoots a lot of crotches in this game. Oh, oh, yeah. The problem with that particular scene was I had a scope on my rifle. Yeah, the ACOG is, is a, is and a when problem you, it, when you're caught out. Yeah, yeah, and when you go to snap to to target, like, I at I was in cover, so mm-hmm. it snapped right to the crotch. Oh, were you using <laughs> the snap to target thing? Uh, no, uh-uh. No. 
No. So that was a new new option. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's, it told it said that like early on, like if you want to like use this thing, like like a Call of Duty style snap to target. I didn't use it. I'm guessing I didn't either because um, I feel like the it, aiming's kind of squirrely. Yeah, well, because it said, um, uh, uh, you know, it's it seemed to imply that you had to turn it off, but it was off by default. So. Uh. Well, yeah, I didn't turn it on. So. Lot, there was a lot of weird things where it, it went. It, it told me very specific things about like this system works like this, and you do this to change this, and da 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 da. I'm like, how do I switch shoulders? Yeah, like, no, oh no, it doesn't I, yeah. tell me. Like, like give like, me I, the basics. I don't yeah. need. I also felt like a lot of the hints and quote tips that they were giving you were trying to force you to play it the way they presented the game at first. Yeah, there's definitely They're like, that. hey, turn, make sure you turn this on. Otherwise, this is going to play just like Wildlands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's kind of like the gist that I was getting from it. And it's like the stuff that they're asking you to turn on, it's like that doesn't make it more fun or enjoyable. And so I ended up playing it. So it was just like Wildlands. So I guess that's what I would close with is if you're a big fan of Wildlands, you're going to love this game. If you're hoping for something a little different, I think you're probably going to be disappointed. Multiplayer in this is also bad, by the yeah. way. My, my other, I played it in Although Wildlands. my caveat to that would be like if you are expecting something different, I don't know what company you think you're following here. Yeah. It's Ubisoft. Ubisoft has really kind of fallen into a pattern here. Well, except for like, I mean, Assassin's Creed, they just reinvented, but now it's they're all like that. Right. So yeah, I mean that is kind of what Ubisoft does. It leads with Creed, and then that stuff trickles down into yeah. all the other franchises. I mean, I like the Assassin's Creed format. Me now. too. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't like. I don't mind this either. It's it's just I'm more interested in whacking people with a sword than I am shooting, shooting with people a with a gun. Yep. Um, and the ancient, you know, the ancient uh, settings are more interesting to me because they recreate this oh, interesting. There's thing. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. And like this is just like, well, it's another guy on a motorcycle in some island out with a fire with a crazy dude trying to kill everybody. Yeah, I mean, also like, I mean, as much as the kind of the Assassin's Creed style um you know, find where your mission is thing works, I think it works better in a scenario in Assassin's Creed where like I can kill 14,000 people with a sword between the here me and the target whereas here it's like you might end up in a place where like, oh my god, I can't deal with this whole situation. If it, it feels like this is a more dangerous world to be sort of meandering about hoping you find what you're looking for yeah um also i bet like a lot of people you would were to, if you were to play co-op with this would not have the patience to play it like that no way so. where you're sinking your shots and all that kind of stuff yeah. yeah it's just i mean that is kind of the problem when you put mechanics like that in a game is you're you're counting on a lot from the player mm-hmm. and uh, you don't always have friends to play with who want to play by the rules in fact i very rarely ever do because i play at all weird times of the day and night like a lot of times i'm playing at like 1 p.m like all my friends are doing something at work or whatever they're doing something else and then i'll play late at night like it's just the way my schedule works out so i end up playing with a lot of randos online unfortunately hmm. um and it doesn't make for the best experience for stuff like this unfortunately but it is what it is so there you go Ghost Recon Breakpoint, the closed beta. We'll definitely have a lot more on this game as its release date draws near. So, in fact, probably in the next couple weeks here on Game Face, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get final review code and we'll give it a go. I'm hoping to see some tweaks in that final review code, but we'll see. Uh, next up, $9999. Yep. Now, 20 years ago. For those of you who don't know, $9999 was the release date of the Sega Dreamcast which just celebrated its 20th anniversary in the in the United States. In the United States. I don't know if there's been another thing that has made me feel older than the 20th anniversary of the Dreamcast. Actually, something else happened that made me feel older yesterday, the same day. 
which is the 10th anniversary of Beatles Rock Band. Oh, yeah. For some reason, that feels like it shouldn't be 10 years Because old that was kind of in the heart of the right. height of gaming websites and gaming TV shows. Mm-hmm. We were, like, in the thick of it when that came out. Well, also, it, I mean, you, I still remember seeing, you know, Ringo and all those guys come out. And yeah. it was like, oh, wow, the fucking Beatles Oh, are I remember them coming and demoing the game at game trailers mm-hmm. and them leaving behind, like, one of the instruments. The mm-hmm. instruments were so coveted because they were different, like, just for the Beatles and, like... It was huge, yeah, but and the rock band, like I mean, the rock band stuff provided a lot of weird, you know, like going to that one random concert they had at E three the one year, and it was the Who. Yeah, and you're like, ah, sure, I'll go to this thing. What the, the Who? who? <laughs> the Who are playing? The Who are playing at the place I came for free drinks? Okay, they had a lot wow. of money. They, they did. They were just giving them just gobs of money. I mean, look, you have to have deep pockets to even think about publishing a game like that with all those expensive peripherals yeah. and uh, licensing. Yeah. But for me, the Dreamcast 20th anniversary hits home way harder because the Dreamcast is kind of what convinced me to launch my first ever gaming website, Street Level Gaming. So I had been a hardcore gamer my whole life, um, and I had been playing a lot of N64 and PlayStation stuff. But when I first saw the Dreamcast, that was when I realized, oh my gosh, games are going to go nuclear. So... Before the, I would argue the Dreamcast was the turning point of mainstreaming games to a bigger audience than the audience that they had been catering to all along. It to me, it was the first time that random people would walk by watching a video game and go, "Holy crap!" They 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 wouldn't buy it, but they would say, "Holy crap!" But right, but like I've told the story before about my wife. Like we're we're playing NFL 2K in my apartment. My girlfriend at the time, now my wife, walks in. She comes home from work. And she's like, I didn't think there was a game on tonight. And I'm like, there isn't a game on. This is a video game. And like, I'll never forget her face when she realized it was a video game. Hmm. And I, a lot of people who I showed my Dreamcast to were like, oh my gosh, I never dreamed games could look that good. Now, I just had a friend when I was on the East Coast tell me that he had just bought a PS4 and his mind was blown by the PS4. He's like, I cannot believe games look this good. I haven't really paid attention to it for a long time. I mean, Holy I have paid crap. attention, and sometimes when I play, like, Spider-Man and stuff, it still blows me away. Or Gears 5. But to me, Dreamcast was the first HD console. Um, it, to me, was, like, the turning point well, where... it was the first progressive yeah. console, um, if you got the VGA box. Um, I mean, the, the move to 3D was really the thing that was going to push things into the mainstream one way or the other. And I knew that because my, my epiphany on that was uh, twofold. It was first, it was the bringing the N64 to a New Year's party. Yeah. Um, Cause I got the N64, like the, the Christmas that came out and my friends were like, bring, you know, bring the system, like bring the system. We want to play Shadows of the Empire and Mario. And so I brought it in and they weren't gamers. Like this was like the cool crowd from when I was in high school. They were all home for Christmas. Yeah. And we brought it over and, and everybody wanted to play it. Like everybody yeah. tried Mario. Everybody tried the Hoth level on Shadows of the Empire. I'm like, huh, that's like, these are people that had never picked up a game in the, the, the yeah. years I'd known them. And then the second one was uh, the following year I brought the PlayStation 1 back from college with um, Parappa. And the party stopped. Like everybody was in. Like we were in. A, we were in a friend's. Like we were. One of our friends was house sitting for one of our old uh, teachers, and we set the system up in like kind of the rumpus room place. And by like nine p.m., everyone was just drinking in the that room, room yeah. 
playing yeah. Parappa. And I'm like, I think this might catch on finally. Other, yeah. And then, yeah, Dreamcast was the first time where, like, you had, the three, you had the realized. 3D graphics where you're like, oh, that looks like what they say it is. Yeah. Kind of, you know? Yeah. Um, you didn't have to use your imagination. I remember, because I, so I got the Dreamcast a year earlier. I got the, the Japanese one for Christmas, um, which... I think cost my mom an absurd. <laughs> yep. And it, and of course, what did I get with it? Godzilla, because nothing else was out. Sonic here came out two days later. Yeah. And I got that. I remember taking it home. And I played I played this level because the first level I'd already been kind of like shown pretty extensively in the magazines and stuff. And then the second level, you get to the part where the tornado happens. And when the tornado happened, I just started laughing because <laughs> like it was just like it was ridiculous. Like, it was absurd. It, it was that ridiculous it could happen to in see real time. that. Yeah. And then uh, the, probably the next time I felt like that was was when I saw an NFL 2K for the first yeah. time a year later. Yep. Um, this this was also my favorite system acquisition because uh, this, the American release because um, this was a period of time I don't remember exactly why, but like we were all very anti pre-order. Like we were very, we were always very irritated that like the GameStop and and EB would take and your stuff, money and then use it to invest. There's and- that, but also they wouldn't get more product than was pre-ordered so you could never just walk in and buy, buy the it. product yeah. and that was before like places like walmart and best buy and like mainstream stores carried games in, in any real amounts or especially getting them in in a timely manner like yeah. back in the day like maybe toys r us got it on the day of release but like the the big box stores were like ah sometime this week we yeah. don't care like, but it comes out tuesday like, yeah eh, whatever maybe kid. in your world it does yeah. <laughs> and so we were very anti-pre-ordering and we went to uh, valco which was a mall in uh, down near san jose and there were two games. There were three game stores there. There was an EB. There was a software, etc. And there was a digital stuff, which was a locally owned. I've chain. never heard of that one. Digital stuff. There was only two stores. There was that mall and a mall further, like up near San Mateo. Uh-huh. And we went in, and there was a huge line waiting for the Dreamcast. To, I mean, the Dreamcast weren't even there yet. They were waiting for the shipment to arrive at like 2 p.m. And they're all in line, and we're, they're like, pre-orders only, ha ah, ha, pre-orders only. I'm like, okay, so we walked down to digital stuff. We're like, you got any Dreamcast? Like, we got two left. We're like, we'll take them. And yeah. so we got them, and we, all, and we walked back out. Intent, it, the, the, that part where the line was, not remotely close to where our car was, but that is where we walked out, <laughs> carrying our Dreamcast. Just to rub it in. And I'm like, ha ha. Oh, they're like, where yeah. did you get them? Oh, they're out. Sorry. You know. For um, me, the Dreamcast was. And then I went home and, like, didn't play it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I already had was... owned it for a year. Yeah. You'd already played a lot of the launch games. But for me, the Dreamcast was the signifier to me that gaming was going to become something bigger than anyone could fathom. So in college, I was in the sports writing tract. I was a journalism major, but everything I had got, I had taken a bunch of sports writing courses, I wanted to be a sports writer. And I started to realize, oh my gosh, like I'm here at Temple in the journalism department. There are going to be 50 people who graduate with a journalism degree, the same semester I do, who want to be sports writers. And there are three papers in the city. And I was like, I'm good, but it's going to take a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. It, no matter how good you are, it's going to take some luck to this make it happen. This Metropolis Street Racer? Yeah. I remember when this game looked really good. Oh, yeah. It was mind-blowing <laughs> when it came. It still doesn't look bad. It not look bad, but it's just... Yeah. It was mu- literally mind-blowing when it came The out. image in my head is not <laughs> this. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I think gaming is going to become gigantic, and I'm going to take the path less traveled, and I'm going to go for gaming. And my professors thought I was insane. They're like, what are you doing? You've been in the sports writing tract here your whole time. And I'm like, bro, like, where am I going to get a job? They're like, well, I can hook you up with internships at these papers. I'm like, there's already 18 people at the Philadelphia Inquirer from Temple. And you have, in the city, you have Penn, you have Drexel, you have Villanova. There's like seven, St. Joe's. 
There's so many schools. I'm like, if there's this many people coming from Temple, how many people are coming from the other schools for these four jobs? Mm -hmm. So I just told him, I'm like, look, I'm being realistic. Um, and so I launched my own website, and it was an N64 and Dreamcast website. Probably the only one that ever existed. Think about it. How many websites were just N64 and Dreamcast? Like, none. No, man. I mean, you were you, you usually had to pick a side. Yeah, but of the three consoles, I felt like I those... I still miss Dave's Sega Saturn page. Yeah, yeah. I felt like those were the two platforms that were really pushing things forward. Like, I, I thought the PlayStation was like a half step and was kind of cheating to get the 3D... And so I focused on N64 and Dreamcast and then did that for a couple years, graduated, got my job at GameSpot mm. right out of college, and the rest is kind of history. But I absolutely credit the Dreamcast with being the console that, that sparked in my mind, this is going to become huge. Like, it's, it's, not, it's getting bigger now slowly, but there's going to be an explosion. And then the mm. very next, the PlayStation 2, boom. Yeah, see, so, like, I didn't see it like that. I already kind of knew that was coming because of my experience with the N64 and the PlayStation. And I always thought the PlayStation 2 was going to be the explosion. Yeah, it was. To me, the Dreamcast was the last... And I, from the beginning, even when they were trying to be optimistic, I was like, the Dreamcast is the last Sega console. This is my last console from my favorite game maker. And I'm just going to, like, go, like, full bore. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to go whole hog. I got the Japanese one, American one. I modded the American one. I imported... I mean, my, I, I have over 100 Dreamcast games to this day, and half of them are Japanese. Yeah. It was my fighting game console. It still is my fighting game console, really, because it still yeah. has some un, almost... Until recently, unsurpassed versions of some of those Capcom and well, I mean, games. Power Stone. Power Stone. Uh, there, um, there's no other option for Power right. Stone. It's, unless you want to play it. I think there's a PSP version or a Vita version. Is there? Yeah, there's a, there was a collection on, uh, on that. But who wants to play? I mean, come on. It's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it has the best Soul Calibur. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it was it was a great system. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, and I it was think it was, about the online stuff. So I don't know if you saw yeah the, the online. I mean, I played what four five hundred hours of Fantasy Star Online. Back Did in you the day. see the Peter Moore video that was published yesterday? I didn't watch it, but I saw it went up. Yeah, it's yeah. on the site, and it's awesome. They went to Peter Moore, who is now like the president of Liverpool Football right. Club. Who, by the way, like won like the Premier League or whatever. Like as soon as he got there, yeah, like he's they, doing all right. He's doing amazing. But anyway, he would he recorded a whole thing about the Dreamcast for Sega. Like they went to yeah. him in his office at Liverpool, and he recorded this awesome thing. And he really brought up a good point. Like all the stuff that we're seeing now that gaming is was started by the Dreamcast. Having mm -hmm. that Ethernet port, that that portal to the internet built into your console, it changed everything. Yeah, I mean, everything. Say, I mean, you could say it probably would have happened no matter what, but somebody has to do it sort first. Of, I mean, it would. I think it would have happened with Xbox one way or the other. Yeah. Microsoft is going to drag the console business into the online space, kicking and screaming where they whether it mattered or not. Yeah. Uh, th but the thing is, like, I mean, he's not wrong. At the same time, Champions League. I was corrected by Dan Boy. Sorry. Manchester City won the Premier League. At the same time, um, uh, Peter Moore. Uh, I mean, Peter Moore's right, but at the same time, like, Sega has always been ahead of the game. Sega has always done stuff way earlier than everyone else, and it's always backfired on them. Yeah. The Sega CD was great. The Sega CD was the future of games. It was too early. Yeah. Like, it was. they always did that. The All the all the AM2 stuff, all that stuff was amazing. All that stuff was the, the best arcade stuff at the time, but you couldn't port it properly to modern system, to home consoles at the time because it was too advanced. You were always making compromises, and it hurt them at the home market, and that's one reason they couldn't keep competing. They, I mean, they stayed in the arcade market to this day, but, like... Um, that was always uh, Sega's problem was like they were trying to push the envelope and they were always pushing it too soon. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I it's think not. It doesn't always pay off to be the first penguin. I don't think it ever, hardly ever pays off to be the first penguin. Pretty rarely. I mean, I'm trying to keep that from happening with Sifted. It's yeah. like, because I, it's like in the back of my mind, I know that someone could come along with a ton of money and do what I've wanted to do with Sifted all along mm-hmm. and just leave us in the dust. But, but I do appreciate, like, I mean, you know, people say, oh my God, Peter Moore did that. And I'm like, of course he did that. Peter Moore was always a true believer in, what, in what, yep. pretty much everything he ever promoted. Yep. Um, but he, uh, you could tell even from the beginning when you talked to him back in the day, he loved that Sega. He loved oh, Sega yeah. stuff. He thought he thought the Dreamcast he was believed. a quality product. He believed it should be successful, and it should have been. But that was the days when EA. I mean, that's why I never thought Dreamcast had a future was because EA wasn't supporting it at the yeah. time. It's crazy to think about now. now. Yeah. But at the time, if EA wasn't on your system, you weren't a system. Basically. Although I would argue that. If like a system doesn't have Madden or FIFA today, its chances with the hardcore don't change that much. But I think its chances of becoming like a mainstream console uh, are, are hurt. I don't know. Nintendo's doing all right. Yeah. I mean, I know they got they kind of FIFA. half-assed versions of and FIFA. They have NBA but, 2K. But uh, it's not. I mean, I don't think anyone's buying the system for that stuff. Certainly. I think a lot of people do. Like Patrick brings up a good point. There, the. He, I like to see sales on those. He says 30 to 40% of console owners buy a console for one game. Mm-hmm. And they just play that one game. And it's but like again, GTA I, or a sports game. I don't usually. know if that tracks with Switch. Because Switch yeah. is, Switch's attach rate for software is different than normal. I mean, Switch, is. Switch is the exception all the time. Switch is, Switch is the Mongol horde of game <laughs> consoles. Every, every, every rule in history does not apply to the Mongols. Yeah. They're, they're always the, the exception, the is, as John yeah. Green says in the uh, Crash Course videos. And um, the, like the the switch is basically that for game. It's like, well, no, if you do this, like that's never going to work, unless you're the switch. You know, like, like that's that, so and good for Nintendo in yeah, that yeah. regard. But like, yeah, if like PlayStation Five didn't have Madden and FIFA, yeah, that's a problem. I would say that's still. I don't think it's like a a fatal flaw like it was for the Dreamcast. I mean, the Dreamcast also had other problems, but like the real problem was you didn't have EA stuff. No one, you know, and NFL Two K was great. But it's hard to pull people away from that Madden brand, and uh, then you had the PlayStation Two show up, and you had you know you had the Madden stuff, but you also had a DVD player, which was like the thing everybody was thinking about at the time, so they could watch the Matrix. Yeah, and uh, it was again a little early. Yep, a little, little too early. early. Um, so here we are, twenty years later, Matt. What is the best Dreamcast game ever? Ooh. I mean, if you're really talking like my favorite game on the system of all time that's not necessarily limited to the system, it's probably Virtua Fighter 3. Um, hmm. That's a tough... I feel like a lot of the Dreamca- the best Dreamcast games have moved on to other systems, but I think if you're going to pin me down to one that isn't Virtua Fighter, which I liked in the arcade before it came to the, the, the system, I think I would say Jet Set Radio. Really? I love Jet Set Radio. Do you think it's the best game or just the one that you like? It's my the most? favorite. Your favorite. I mean, best game. I don't know. It would be a technical choice that I I don't know. I think it's Soul Calibur. I I'm not a huge Soul Calibur fan. I I think it's the best Soul Calibur game. Um, at least certainly until the new one. I th- I don't think they've matched this Soul Calibur until last year. Yeah. And I still don't think it's as good just because there's nostalgia in, in play. Sure. But like. I think they've struggled to make another Soul Calibur as good as this one. I think Soul Calibur was its killer app. I think it's what it, got it, most def- people def- to buy definitely it. was early on. Yeah, I mean that was the game we'd have when I, w- I was running a game store up in the peninsula at the time, 
and that was the game we would put on the Dreamcast demo unit to just like draw people in. We we do tournaments and stuff, yeah. and like that definitely that game sold more systems at our store than any other game. Even remember back to when we worked at G Four and we had that. That's little... a crazy notion that the idea of like a fighting game selling a system that would never happen, that wouldn't happen anymore. No. But I even remember back to our time at G Four. We had that little mini arcade, and the most popular game was Soul Calibur. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like that's the game that sold the most Dreamcast because there was really nothing that could touch it. I, I mean, think it, it was, was a, arcade perfect. I think it depended. Like, it, like it was, it was kind of a. I think it might have been closer than you think between Soul Calibur and Sonic Adventure. That's probably um, true. I didn't particularly like Sonic Adventure one. Yeah. I liked Sonic Adventure two a lot more, but like, I think the Sonics helped also because they skipped a generation with right. Sonic. Yeah. So like, Sonic being back was a thing. Um, I think a lot of fighting game players owned a Dreamcast by default just because it was the best fighting game system of the time. Um, beyond that, like, every time I go beyond that, I mean, the Sega, the Sega exclusives are great. I mean, the Jet Set Radio is great. Fantasy Star Online was great. Uh, I never want to look at it again, but, like, I mean, yeah. those, I, I, I ate too much chocolate on that one. I, I never <laughs> need to see that game again. Uh, Space Channel 5 is great. Um, Sega Gaga is bonkers, and I wish someone would localize that game and so everybody could play it because that game is ridiculous. It's like a corporate strategy game where you run like a fake version of Sega in a world where like Sega characters attack Tokyo and it's like there's <laughs> and like and you're, you're, there and were like, a lot of weird and you're games literally that never came to the you're US. literally fighting um Sony like a very thinly disguised version of Sony and like they they are brutal to yeah. man like what the hell like what yeah. the hell was that um I mean Sega for all its weird foibles and failures was absolutely fearless it was yeah, uh, it's. Um, I always admired them for that, even though it didn't always work out tremendously well for them. Yeah, it pretty much never did. No. <laughs> oh, um, other than the Genesis generation, I love Techromancer. Yeah, which, uh, that ro- giant robot fighting game from Capcom, which never showed up anywhere else ever again. Um, Here's another game worth mentioning: is the first UFC game for Dreamcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that game yeah. was sick, man. Like yeah. it was unlike anything ever made before. Um, I, I that to me was one of the seminal games for Dreamcast. It established how like mixed martial arts games are going to be played mm-hmm. and made for the rest of time. Yeah, I didn't. I bought that, but I didn't like it very much. But it was sort of one of those things where it was just like you could tell that it was like important that that was happening. Yeah, that like. You know, it was they getting... figured out a way to do ground and pound in a yeah. video game. That that was no easy task. And there's all kinds of little gems like that on the Dreamcast that I'll always remember and have yeah. a or like, soft spot in my uh, heart for. Le Mans 24 Hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a great game by, by Melbourne House down in Australia. Yeah. One of the most talented developers of that era. Like, yeah. those guys... Those guys' Their worked, games always look they better. They look great. Yeah. They ran great. Those guys worked magic on a daily basis. Most uh, overrated game? Code Veronica? Yeah, I mean, I like Code Veronica the best of any Resident Evil when it came out, and then when it came out on the 360, I tried to play it, and I got like 10 minutes in. I'm like, no. It's and the thing bad. was, so I had I had a, I have a bunch of friends who are diehard like horror, that might have been the other system diehard horror actually. fans. They're diehard like Resident Evil fans. They play the old games. They you know they 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 would scoff at me because I would say like, no, the tech has progressed to the point that I don't want to play this anymore. They're like, nah, you're just a graphics whore. And, yeah, yeah. and they tried to play this, same thing, and they're like, 
No. Nope. Can't do it. <laughs> this is great. Skies of Arcadia is yeah, great. I wish, this they, is I wish they would gem. bring this back. Uh, that series needs to come back. I'd love to see this game in modern graphics. Yeah. I'd, or just remaster the GameCube yeah, version, yeah. which was an improvement. Totally I fine. I mean, this um, is a great RPG that most people have not played. Yeah. Same with um, uh, the first game I ever reviewed for money was uh, for professionally at all was Grandia 2 on yeah, the Dreamcast. Another good one. Um, no pressure on that. Here's a 100-hour <laughs> game. To do the, the, uh, and that was back when I thought that you were required to finish the game to review them. And I still do that. But like, Oh, I always do. But yeah. like, it wasn't until a few months in, they're like, no, you can't pay someone 150 bucks to like play a 100-hour game. <laughs> I'm like, but how do you know? They're like, dude. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like... I thought I'd uncovered like a scandal, and there's like, no, that's just how it works, dude. So you really liked Jet Set Radio? I to love me, Jet Set Radio. it was probably the most disappointing. Other than Sonic Adventure, it was probably the most disappointing Dreamcast game. I love because this was this all game. about me. This was my culture: skating, graffiti, mm. great music. Like this was me. This had me all over it. And then I played it, and I was like, this was made for people not like me. <laughs> this that, is made that covers me. Yeah, and I get it. Like I understood why they did it. It's like, yeah. I mean, I mean if you're expecting Tony Hawk. It was not going to be that, you know, it was not that. Like yeah. the, the skating was a lot more simple than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. But the the style and the verve and the, the Again, characters and everything, the, the music. The bravery is great. to make this game. Yeah. A graffiti inline skating game. Like only Sega. In an alternate universe yeah. of like, it's bizarre. It really like it, is. I mean, yeah. Sega just, there's, yeah, there's no fear. The only thing I think I, I would. I mean, even like Space Channel 5, even though they oh, ripped yeah. off like Lady Kier and everything. Like, and a, so and, what? Like. And a game or an Apollo Smile. Yeah. There's a name I've not heard yeah. in a long time. <laughs> um, the. Uh, the um, also, like, you play Space Channel 5 uh, Part 2 today. You'll find yourself having to explain to the younger people why Michael Jackson is in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Uh, there's so much good stuff on there, and even the even the crappy stuff had like kind of a charm to it. Yeah. Like I mean, Sil Space Channel Five was kind of crappy. I mean, it's just like a rhythm game, and, and certainly mildly on par with the the story driven rhythm, rhythm games of the time. It was no Bimani game. It was no DDR. Yeah. But like, which was big at the time. But I like it. You know, Morgan still loves. Ulala, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's Lady Kier from Delight. I mean, they totally ripped her off, and she took him to court, and she yeah. lost. Whoops. That was like a kind of a landmark case, though, as far as like someone stealing your likeness without using your name. Like, is is that okay? And like the courts were like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Not that I have to worry about that, but uh, she did. Hmm. Um, but that was blatantly her from her dewdrops in the. I don't garden know. There. I think every default protagonist steals your likeness to some degree. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because I am, like, generic dude. You're absolutely like right. A, like, a, like a white dude with short hair. Yeah, that's me. You're... I don't have any problems creating my character in video games, no. generally. No, representation, <laughs> not an issue for sure. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, there it is. The Dreamcast 20th anniversary. May she rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, I still feel mine like... Mine still works. And mine does, too. It works great. I have no problems. All the peripherals yeah. work for it. If, Even you, my, if you get like a modern like VGA hookup for for that thing, it still looks. It good. looks good. It's really good. Yeah, it absolutely does. And like I've told this story again before, but like we when I worked at Gamespot, Sega worked on the floor above us, and when the Dreamcast yeah. died, they called us and said, "Come buy stuff." Yep. And I just went and just bought like. I mean, they were selling games for $5, controllers for $8. Oh, there were less when they took VMUs it. for like a dollar. They sold me a Dreamcast for $2. Yeah. I ended ridiculous. up getting like... Oh, they... I mean, in fact, I think the systems cost less than the games at yeah, that fire did. sale. Because yep. they just wanted the space back. Yep. And uh, like, I'll never forget that going up there. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Yeah. I, I felt bad. I was like, I don't want to buy this for $5. Like, this is wrong. Like... 
I'll never forget it. Oh, going Crazy up there, Taxi. How do we forget Crazy Taxi? Yeah, how do we forget that? But I'll never forget yeah, going up yeah, there and yeah, seeing, yeah, yeah. like, all the Sega PR people standing there by the tables with all the stuff on it, the yep. looks on their faces. because knew it was, it was over. Back then, like, people cared. Like, they weren't just like, oh, I'm working at Sega now, but I'm hoping to parlay mm. this into a job at Nintendo or Sony. No, the people who ran PR at Sega loved freaking Sega. And I, they would call me and argue with me over our reviews and be like, no, like, this is this because of this. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like that anymore. Every every well, job now is just a ladder rung to get up to some other job. And like, also because the people that were there at the time were people who'd been there a long time. They'd been there in the in the lean years, 16-bit era, and they'd seen the same thing we did that, like, oh, like, this is about to blow up. Like, games are yeah. finally going to hit mainstream. And that day was when they knew that they weren't going to be part of that. Yeah. And that's sad. a horrible that's a horrible outcome. For but them. what prompted the story is that a few months ago, I started pulling out a lot of that brand new stuff that's still in boxes that I bought that day at Sega, and it all still works. Like the mm-hmm. VMUs, I pulled the little plastic tab out of the battery, I plugged it in, and it freaking works. Yep. Everything still works. All my VMUs still work. Yep. All my saves are intact. All not, my controllers not, work. Not true of my PlayStation 1 memory cards, oh. I'll tell you that I much. mean, I went through like three PlayStation 1s. Like, yeah. the last one I bought, like, I think I still have to sit it on the side to make it work. So, it sucks. Life isn't always fair. But at least certainly, certainly not if you're Sega. Nope. <laughs> but at least Sega lives on, and we still get to yeah, play its software. I mean, it could have gone away, you know. In Shenmue, great. Yeah. Great. I mean, well, for the time. I mean, if I you still think about too. how many games were actually released for the Dreamcast in the U.S. and how many of them are worth remembering, at least it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Also, like it's nice that like when you really look at it. Almost everything worthwhile on the Dreamcast has moved forward to future yeah. systems. Like yep. n- nothing was really fully, nothing was really lost to time. I mean, we're still waiting for a new Power Stone. Yeah, Power Stone seemed to. I mean, that's Capcom though. Like yeah. Se- Sega managed to salvage most of their stuff and bring it forward. Yeah. Um, if if only on the GameCube. Yeah. At least like the GameCube is a more functional system to to be able to find and and mess with now. Yeah. It's part of a collector movement, so like you know, those games will be preserved. And so. Like, I don't feel like the Dreamcast is... I mean, the Dreamcast was a loss in the sense that, like, we lost Sega as a console manufacturer, but then we kind of gained Xbox, which is sort of has a similar look to it, has a similar... Aesthetic. Verve. Yeah. Um, also, mildly fearless, uh, yeah. sometimes in the wrong direction. Yeah, but... Um, and now we're doing this whole thing where they're like, yeah, we're just going to give you stuff. Like, I mean, we're going to get to Gears later, but it's like... I I didn't pay for gears. Yeah, I just I, I have Game have Pass to. subscription and I just installed the Ultimate Edition five days early and started playing. That's crazy. It's crazy. And like maybe really that'll is. blow up in their face the way Sega's old innovations <laughs> yeah. used to, but we'll see. Like we will it, see. I mean, that, a lot of stuff like stuff like that always makes me think of Sega, yep. where people are doing something crazy and you're like, this is like something Sega would do. Stadia, always... Stadia is a little bit like that too. I'm like, that's ridiculous. But like when you think about it. You know, they had the Sega Channel and the X Band back on the Genesis, and that was so you basically rented games and played them yeah. through that. I mean, well, they had like that system too in Japan for the SNES. Yes, was it called like, like the, the Rand Network. No, that was, was like for the Saddle TV. of You or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and you could go into like a Lawson's convenience store and buy games. Mm-hmm. Like I think they even did that through like the N sixty four era a little bit. But yeah, th- 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 I think the sixty four DD was supposed to kind of like capitalize on that idea more. Yep. but and it's never never really happened. I mean, it was released in Japan. It was, but, but it was a shell of what it was supposed no, we to can't be. Can't all be Dosh and the Giant. Nope. <laughs> Why do I remember that? Because it was the only DD game really worth remembering, other than like there was a Zelda, Ocarina was Zelda Time with Master, Gaiden Master, they were calling it. Yeah, but now yeah. we have that on the Dream on yep, the GameCube. It's out so. there. So, so anyway, I, I always like to see people who are brave and bold be rewarded. Unfortunately, the Dreamcast was a case of that not happening. No. And honestly, I hate to say it, usually it doesn't happen. 
The people who step out first usually do not end up making the money off yeah. of the idea. It, it was not. A, it was not healthy to be first off the boat on Omaha Beach. Nope. <laughs> despite how heroic it was. So that's a good analogy. So there you go. And Sega was always first off the damn boat. Yep, it was. So there you go, the Sega Dreamcast 20th anniversary. <laughs> Saying, EA, cover me. And yeah. Like, no. No, not, we're not, we're not going to do that. Um, I, I will always have a uh, soft spot in my heart for the Dreamcast because, oh, again, yeah. it's what it's why I'm here right now. Without the Dreamcast, I don't think coming at that exact time in my college career where I had to figure out where I wanted to go. I was going into like my junior year, and I'm like, I need to figure this out now. And the Dreamcast prompted me to do this. And hopefully, ultimately, it was the right decision. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what could have happened? I could have become a crazy sports writer that's on ESPN. I don't know. There's just no way to know. But, but I gotta, I'm very uh, happy with the way it, it ended up. I got to give him credit for making such a good system that I eventually even got over how stupid that name is. Yep. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like we. It just be yeah. something you say. You just get over it. Yeah, it just becomes, you say it so much it doesn't mean anything anymore. But yep. early on, I'm a Dreamcast. I always liked the name. What? You got to realize I was in like the rave scene back then as a DJ and like it mm. had, I mean, that's kind of what they were going for. Like even their ads and everything, it was all about kind of like, I don't know. It was it was in my wheelhouse. The Dreamcast. ads were very good. Like the It's Thinking stuff was yeah. a really good campaign. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it just didn't, unfortunately. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Greedfall, <laughs> an action RPG from the developer Spiders. Spiders. Who developed the game The Technomancer, which I played far too long mm-hmm. and finished. It ended up being like a 60- or 70-hour game. And Mars Warlogs, which was yep. the... That was kind of the... Technomancer s- was the sequel to that. Yep, it was a sequel to that. Um they're working on another game right now as well, I believe. Yeah, that's coming out like I think early next year. Yeah, they got two teams now. So yeah, they're doing they're doing well. They're hanging in there. Uh, spiders has not been known f- to me when I think about spiders. I think about Promise. Mm-hmm. Every game of theirs I play, I feel like it's right on the cusp of being something special. But there's always this little thing that holds it back. This is its latest game. It comes out today, or it's out now. It just came out today. It is an action RPG, like pretty much all of Spider's games, but it takes place in an alternate 17th century. Matt, you've spent some time with this game. Mm-hmm. How is uh, how's it uh, lining up for you? Um, well, I think like earlier we'd said that like uh, Spider's was kind of positioned to maybe potentially fill the niche that Bioware has left vacant yeah. in terms of sort of the, That's fair. the character-driven action RPG world. Um, and I think you can definitely see that in this game. The, 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 the one thing I would caution is that this game feels like a Bioware game that was made between Dragon Age 1 and Mass Effect 1. That's not um, that encouraging. It's, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's still rough. This is 2019. Um, yeah, but good games are good games. Yeah. Um, it's still rough. And remember, like, I mean, it's not like Bioware games were technical tour de forces of their era yeah, either, really. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, Mass Effect One was was great, but like that combat sucks, and um, you just get past it because you're there for the characters and the story and the world. Um, and when it comes to the world and the characters, this one pretty much nails it. Like the world is definitely the most ambitious thing they've done so far. Um, it's, I mean, the research. How do they explain these odd creatures in the 1800s? Well, it's not our world. It's not. Okay. It's not the 17th century. Oh, it's. It's. I mean, it is based on that era, but so it's very not, loosely. It's based. not Earth. Okay. It's not. Oh, it's gotcha. a fantasy world. There's magic and sorcerers and 
and monsters and you're not going to North America, you're going to some island you've, they've discovered across the ocean that's like, um, you know, full of these native characters and stuff. Um, it, it, I mean, it is about kind of the colonial imperialist era without question, but it's not set in the real world okay. at all. Um, uh, it does still deal with a lot of the same questions. Like you've got a lot of people that are like, there's, it's all about alliances and conflict between like sides and groups and factions. Uh, there's a, you have a, a, a relationship rating with like, I think like seven or eight different factions in the game. Um, and it is, you know, the way things are unfolding in this world. Like you, you are a, um, the, like a, I think a prince or princess, depending on which, which, which sex gender. you pick. Yeah. Um, and you are your royalty of some kind. Like your 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 uncle is the king. I okay. Think. And you and your cousin, who's the the prince, you're being sent to this new world. Um, to basically the, the your cousin's going to be the new governor, and you're going to be like, uh, some some kind of like uh, legatus. I think they called it. They said basically you're going to be helping him. Okay. Um and. Uh, so the first like three or four hours are actually in the old world, in the in the city you're leaving from, called Serene, and uh, the, the city in the new world you're going to is called New Serene because they're very creative that's people. How, well, that's kind of how it works. Um, so so it's kind of uh, it's that first world area thing where uh, you get to know your character, um, you run you you meet the the basic new key characters. You'll see here like there's the, that's the the character you play, the younger guy here, and you'll see that he has like kind of a mark on the side of his face. That is a a plague that's killing everybody like it, it starts as like a black mark on you and like grows to to take over your whole body and everything um so part of the plot seems to be like figuring out what that is and how to fight it um and uh like if you walk around the the, the city like tons of people are just covered in this thing like it's 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 very black death-ish and uh, you, you have a bunch of side quests to do. You got to talk to a bunch of people and find some people that got drunk the night before. Like your cousin is gone, and like no one knows where he is because he got super drunk and he disappeared. And because it's, it's the kind of time where like you can, you know, if you get too drunk and mouth off to the wrong person, you're gonna end up tied up in a warehouse somewhere. You know, or you could die. You die definitely. <laughs> um, but like, so there's a bunch of side quests to get you up to kind of level five ish before you leave, and then you leave and you go and, and to the, the new world. The new world, and it's gigantic. Gigantic. I mean, the, the city you start in is not small. Like, there's a lot of stuff to do and see, and there's tons of loot to pick up and tons of things to learn how to do and people to talk to and little side quests to do. But then you get to this place, and it's just this huge city, and you get the wilderness is just open. Like, you can see it. Like, and it's very well crafted. Like, the cities make sense. The cities look detailed and lived in. The wilderness, like, has, like, a lot, you know, there's tons of, like, resources to gather because there's various skills to, like, brew potions and make explosives and craft various things like there's a lot of crafting in the game um depending on which skill sets you have you can see that's your that's your one of three skill charts you have you have, you have skills for like combat their attributes are basically uh um abilities that like enhance your your uh, uh, uh combat stuff and other things and then talents are more like there's charisma and vigor and those can you know, RPG get, tropes. RPG stuff that gets you like you know you can get get into tighter different spaces with certain ones and you can have better conversation options with others like a standard kind of lock picking that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, so that's all kind of the baseline. Uh, but there is definitely like a colonialist like kind of imperialist situation happening because if you if you choose that as kind of the inspiration for your setting, you sort of inherit that as a thing. 
Um, and so there's there are native people at, on this island, and uh, there's various factions. So like, uh, there's a church faction whose name I can't remember. It's like Telalestre or something like that. Uh, they are basically there's an inquis basically an inquisition, and they are basically if you they're burning people at the stake. They're you know prosecuting and chasing down heretics. Um, one of the one of the the side, side quests early on is like this pair of heretics that they're trying to find and, and arrest and basically kill. And then you find out that basically they were the reason that's happening is because they wrote a paper that disagreed with the standard interpretation of scripture. So now they have to die. Uh. So you have the option to let them go or help them find asylum or um, arrest them and leave them to, to die. Um, and depending on which one you do, you get different rewards and you get different um, uh, reputation boosts for different factions. Um, and then there's a, a company called the Bridge Alliance, I think it's called. Um, and those that's basically like the British East West India Company, East India Company. Like it's it's a colonialish trading like sort of thing. And uh, they hate the Inquisition, so like the different factions all have different opinions of each other. So, so and the, and the trick is so far, and I've seen some some people complain online that like the game doesn't really take a position on the the imperialism thing. That you're just sort of ex you know that there's a lot of people that are there specifically state yeah, outright. We are here to exploit these savage, ignorant people, and we don't care what they think and da da da. Which is sounds familiar. Accurate to, accurate <laughs> to the, the but sounds like the familiar. thing is. When you're playing, so like as you start to get into the new area and you sort of learn how you just have to kind of navigate the politics of the of the various factions, it's a lot easier to try and keep everybody happy. Okay. Um, and just sort of like don't rock the boat, sort of like roll through it that way. Um, but the trick is like you're gonna if you do that, you're gonna be, end up doing a lot of stuff that you really aren't morally maybe morally comfortable with. Like what? Like, uh, you'll have, like, Inquisition people just hunting down people and, and like, cutting their throats. Or, oh. like, like for for no re for, for reasons that are just, like, you disagreed with what I think about, you know, whatever religion, scripture thing that, like, we've decided to call super sacred today. Uh -huh. Or, um, you know, the, the, like, a mining company that's, like, exploiting an area and, like, not compensating the natives because they don't care what they think. Or you know things like that and you can't there's always like at least three different ways to solve pretty much every quest like like the like it's very That's impressive it's actually very deus ex in huh. that like and they they kind of they mark do like a marker thing that'll show you like okay you got to get in this warehouse and do this thing and like you'll be like okay i gotta do that so now, now you could like like one early one you have to go um you have to go into a uh, warehouse because you're trying to smuggle like a certain certain crates onto your ship, and you have to go in and basically clear clear the warehouse so your guys can move those crates in and as, as part of the, the established cargo, and they'll just get in with the cargo. But to do that, you have to get through uh, get rid of the guards of the warehouse, and the guards are of the Nought Guild, which are the Sailor Guild. And they control nautical. nautical, yeah. And they, they control that area. So, like, okay, so to get in, you can sneak in and get and and, and or you can walk up and just kill them. And the knots don't like that. If you do that, you'll lose reputation. Um, but you can do that. You can sneak past them if you're sneaky enough and get through the back and go up and and uh, <coughs> change the manifest and basically sneak the stuff in that that way. Uh, 
you can disguise yourself as a knot with the right clothing if you found sailor clothing and go up and pretend you're with them and sit and share a drink with them. And if you if you have the science ability, you can brew a sleeping potion that will put huh. the guards to sleep and then you can wow. bring those in. And the way I did it is I walked up in my sailor my sailor outfit and I had enough charisma to convince them that I was their their relief. That uh, I was relieving them, you're the and they're like, "Oh, thank shit. God!" And they left, and I'm like, "Okay, bring it in, boys." Like, wow. so there are four different ways to solve that. Ca- are that most of the quests that way? Almost all of them have. Wow, been, yes. that's impressive. Um, I mean, the the heretic thing. Three different ways to solve that. You wow. could uh, you could either arrest them, you could uh, have talk to your other friend, the ambassador, and, and give them asylum, or you just let them go and pretend you never saw them. Um, stuff like that. So every every single like noted quest has had at least three solutions that I could see. That's impressive. Um, it's it's it is very impressive, and, and that continues in the new world area. And they're not all you noted. Know, like if you want to find like the more subtle ways, you have to explore the area and hop over the fence and find. Oh, I can do this. This wall is weak, so if I have science, I can like. Uh, create a uh, an explosive that will blow the back of that w- building out, and that'll get me through here, and I can sneak through that way. Uh, there was an early wow. one where you had to like basically like your your cousin had busted up a bar the night before, and the bartender won't tell you where he he knows where he ended up going, but he won't tell you until you pay him for the damages. But if you have the crafting skill, you can repair the table he broke. Ah, so wow. and not and That's save the money. Crazy man. So it's that kind of thing. So um, it's actually way more um freeform in terms of how you solve the quest than any Bioware game has ever been. This game looks, the visual, the art style looks like a cross between The Witcher and Bloodborne. Yeah, I can see, yeah, I can see how you'd say that. Like, it's, it, it does, it does feel a little Bloodborne-ish in the sense of kind of the aesthetic. The thing about it is, um, so you played the Technomancer enough to yes, know, what, I did. enough to know what I mean when I say that the character still has that spider's stickiness. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're called spiders. <laughs> um, the character unintentionally kind of it, it, they move a little too long after you push the stick to be comfortable. Turning around feels very laborious because, like, you'll see there like, when they stop moving, they have that sort of like jog to a halt thing. Yeah. Like that Momentum takes forever. Thing. It, like, and like that's you, a very and you can't, touchy thing and you can't move games. the other direction until you finish doing that animation so it feels very stop and go uh-huh. um and uh and the other thing is um it only registers as a full you can you know you can walk and you can run and then you can sprint if you hold a button now running it only registers as running if you are holding direct exactly the cardinal direction of the direction that you're you're facing the problem that's with annoying. the problem with that is when I play games like this, I like to look around with the camera yeah, and course. still be running. So yeah. I'm kind of like taking this, the sights in as yeah, I'm looking left and forth. Thing. But I'm still running the direction I'm running. If, but the thing is that when you move the camera and change the orientation, if you don't they keep the, the analog stick exactly oriented with the direction your character is facing, it, it, it stops registering as running and changes to, to, to walking. Yeah. And I find that really annoying. So the thing I is... I mean, that's a spider's... It is a spider. I mean, like the Technomancer controlled like that, Mars Warlogs yeah. controlled like that. It bugs me more in this one for some reason. I think it's because... There's more to the see. Ga- there's more there's to see. you want to see. The world is so well realized, and the game feels so close to what Bioware used to do before they... Really, before the doctors retired. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, what I think the change is. Not so oh, much yeah, EA. for sure. But, like, um, that's where it feels sort of like... Oh, if you if you if this character just controlled a little snappier, yeah. this would be a 
this would be like game of the year territory. I mean, Spiders has been on that cusp they have for been. a long time. And I don't understand. I mean, I still don't know why I played Technomancer for like 70 hours. Yeah, like, it's, it's engaging in a, in almost in spite of itself. They're great it? at creating worlds that you care about and people that you care about. Yeah. But when they come, when the rubber hits the road and you play the game, that's where the caveats start to yeah, pop either, up. Yeah, the, the, the place they're really putting roadblocks in front of you is the basic gameplay. Yeah. Uh, to answer SJD Swanlund's... There I can see the plague on that girl's yeah. face. To answer yeah. SJD Swanlund's question, I played this on Xbox One X. Uh, it's It runs okay, but it's sluggish in places. And there's Again, a, there's spiders. A, there's, a lot of car- uh, there's a lot of screen tearing in some of the cutscenes, which that, is weird. That's, I mean, that's on par for spiders. I mean, it's just... It's also, on par, it's also on par for Ghost Recon Breakpoint. That's a good point. That's a, that's like, a, good a lot point. of the same problems in Ghost Recon Breakpoint's beta are in this. Yeah. Now, now to be fair, this is a final release and that's a beta. But, right. Um, it's not game My guess stuff. is that will also be in the final version of Breakpoint. Probably, yeah. <laughs> My question is, a lot of the, the gameplay we've been watching, it has several party members fighting with you. Yes. How does that work? I'm guessing those people aren't online and they're not real humans. Of course not. No, yeah. it's a single player game only as it should be. Um, those are your, those are just like Bioware. It's just like Mass Effect. Those are your, those are your party members. They fight alongside you when when a fight happens, which doesn't happen that often. I've been in like combat's seven, pretty low. I've been in like six or seven fights in the whole course of like four hours of playing. Wow. Um, I mean, you, there would have been more fights if I hadn't talked my way out of stuff. Some yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like in terms of like having to fight, not that common, which is pretty good because the fighting's not great. Like. There's a it's a melee combat system for the most part, although you can use spells and firearms. Um, I am a melee focused like class. I did because I do pre- generally prefer to play like magic stuff. But my caveat to that is that when I'm playing a game, I don't fully trust to be <laughs> competent. Yeah, I tend to go with melee, like kind of your base fighter, because like usually they get that right. Yeah, because that's one of the that's the first character yeah. that they like tune and make sure exactly because like, that's what so, most people play. So uh, so it's working okay, but like it's kind of got it's it's not a brain dead combat system. There's like a, there's a parry system where like you have to like parry and then and then repost and there's a. There's an armor system. You have to get through their armor before you do damage to their health, which is pretty simple. I, you actually I, knock the armor off? No, you just you just there's a little like shield icons, and it'll say like unbalanced or stunned or armor broken or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's not that hard. Like once you upgrade the, the the sword a couple times, which I mean, I I highly recommend picking craftsman early okay. on as as one of your early skills because it lets you like craft craft stuff and craft upgrade. You can craft upgrades for your armor that give you other skills. Interesting. So like I I was annoyed that I didn't have lockpick. Like, because I, I couldn't pick locks, and then I looked at my upgrade thing for my for my armor, and there's this on my sash. I could put a thing that gave me plus one lockpick, oh, and another thing that gave me plus one science. Ah. So I di- so I didn't need to pick those skills if I had craftsman. It was very it was a very interesting way to balance that because you don't get points for those that the talent tree. You get those like every five levels or something. It's very rare, so you you have to really be pay attention. And like you really want craftsman because that lets you like craft stuff and sort of keep ahead of the game on your armor. And you really want uh, Vigor, because Vigor lets you regenerate health. How much control do you have over your party members? Can uh, you set them up and tell them what you want to do? You can, tell can you them do what to on do. the fly? You can tell them what to do like you do in Bioware. You have full... You, there is a pause, real-time pause thing, like with Dragon Age, okay. where if you want to go in and micromanage everything per character, you can. It's not turn-based. It is action-based. But you can affect how they behave. Um and you can you can go into pause and you know choose items to use and you know set things up like that. Um, so if you want to play it more tactically, you can. I have not found a need for that so far. Um, 
In fact, the the only serious fight that I've been in was a, was a, the first boss fight, which uh, was against a giant monster that I literally dodged to the side around and hit him in the butt like for like a minute <laughs> and a half, and he died. Like okay. I, I was never even touched okay. in the whole thing. So it's not a particularly challenging. I have game I have so not far. found it particularly challenging, especially once I upgraded my sword so I could penetrate armor better. And now instead of guys dying in like seventeen hits, they die in like three. Uh, um, and I'm sure that will change as I go through you yeah, know, go through the new areas yeah. and such. But like. I have not found it especially challenging. I have not. I, I, I don't find it. At, it's not like Dragon Age Origins where, like, if you're playing on above normal, you are going to need to plan your stuff out properly or you're going to die. Like, this um, this feels like a pretty easily balanced sort of, like, as long as you're paying attention. And, you know, fo- I would also recommend focusing on one character at a time, one enemy at a time. Like, that, that seems to help is focusing your firepower. I mean, that's a basic RPG thing, but it's not, yep. always, ba- not always obvious in an action game. Um, but I haven't had an issue with it. Like, I'm, you know, pretty melee focused, so I don't know how the, how the magic works. Um, but you can pick whatever you want. Like, there's no, you know, you can, you, you start as whatever the three classes. There's, like, a, a melee class, magic class, and I think, like, a, agility tactical thing it gives you like, you know, like an alchemist or some shit like that um, which is a mix of various things but you can pick, you can upgrade to whatever skills you want like you're, you're not locked into your class at all is this a full price game yes and it's PC PS4 Xbox One that sounds right yeah yeah I don't think there's a switch version of this yet no but... I, w- I wouldn't want to see what they do to this on the switch right yeah there. it barely runs as it is on the X on the Xbox one X yeah, it sounds like it's uh, it's, it's just it's holding a, up by his fingernails. Yeah, it's a it's a functional but not particularly reliable thirty frames a second. Okay, let's put it that way. How? I mean, look, you, you and some a, of that's hard to tell because hard to gauge because the character is so sluggish in places that I'm not always sure. You're like, is that a frame rate? I'm like, is the frame rate dro- <laughs> dropping or is this just spiders? I don't know. Uh, so you haven't played. I mean, you played a handful of hours of it. Yeah. Based upon that, are you are you compelled to keep going forward? Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, you think you're gonna stick with this? I'm definitely gonna stick with it un- until I can't tolerate it any further. <laughs> um but I mean I don't see that happening anytime soon. I'm very interested in the characters and like the world and what and like the decisions and how each quest unfolds and what I can do in each quest and um it it is not bored me yet. It has annoyed me at times and it has made me kind of face palm here and there with yeah. how like they just don't seem to get any better at certain things. But uh, in terms of storytelling and voice acting and sort of quest design and world design, this is the best they've ever done by far. It's, it's, and they, I mean, give them one more game after this and maybe put in someone who knows how a character should move properly. I feel like and we've, I think we've said that about this studio. We before. have. And I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know what, the, have you played another Third person game because this should be pretty simple. Yeah, I with, with a with another round of refinement on this, like th- they could churn out a Mass Effect two. I think they could. I think this studio is very ripe for purchase. Definitely. Like I definitely. I'm kind of surprised that Microsoft has not already. Because this I, is if right I were, in the wheelhouse. If I were Microsoft, I would buy these guys tomorrow. Because like, it was, like, if, and, I feel and like give them some kind of guidance. control guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, like I feel like that's what this studio send needs. Send someone from Ninja Theory over there to tell yeah. them what smooth means. Yeah, I don't it know. Needs, like, like, something. It just needs that su- Western yeah. support. I mean, they're from the West, but... Right, but the Eurojank is strong. Yeah, they need someone in the U.S. who's going to give them some money and some time to put that extra layer on, and they need someone to tell them what that extra layer is. Right. Because 
we have been saying this about spiders for its last like three or four games now. We're like the next one. It's the next one that's going to be the eight out of ten, the nine out of ten. Well, there'll be three games because I think they've only made three games. Well, they made. Did they make something before Technomancer though? Mars Warlogs. Oh, that was before Tech. I thought that was the sequel to Technomancer. No, te- I had te- Technomancer is the sequel I had to that. Flipped. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And I thought, and I knew they had made something before Technomancer, so I thought like this, that was the this. This is game. not super far off Technomancer, except in the sense of the combat's very different, and the the um, the world is just the, the ambition of the world they're doing here is beyond anything they've done before. In, in like to an order of magnitude. Like but this I'm, is definitely going to get a sequel. I would think so. Even if it doesn't sell particularly well, it, you can just see. It's done a great job of building this world. Mm-hmm. It's a compelling world. It's something I, I'm interested in. Like it doesn't have, look like anything else except maybe Bloodborne. Yep. I have a review code sitting in my inbox, and I didn't know if I was going to play it. I thought about maybe just giving the code away, but after talking to you, you about see, it, I am going to play you it. You can actually see there the the, um, the the armor things go away up top. Yeah. So you see how, like, once the ar- well, those three armor shields that are empty now on the boss's life bar, once those went away the life damage on the bar like doubled. Right. Okay. So that's kinda that's kinda what they're doing. And then like that will regenerate as you get out of combat. And then you can see like she has um like kind of electricity around her hands. Like that's a fury move. So you can you can use like the left trigger and that'll be like a guaranteed hit. Um they're trying to make the combat something like with some depth and interest, but I just don't. Feel it just like doesn't it gets feel there. good. It doesn't Their feel good. Their combat never feels good. Well the other th- the other weird thing is like like, the tutorial has you up against, like, guys that aren't going to hurt you, but also you can't really hurt them, so it's hard to see that you're doing anything of use against them. It's not until you get in your first real fight that you really understand how it works. Gotcha. And then it's, like, a I lot see. simpler than it maybe felt like it was in the tutorial. So people are wondering, do they buy this, Matt? I mean, if you Especially like... within the time frame that is coming out. If you like the old-school Bioware stuff and sort of, like, the uh, Deus Ex-style, you know, immersive sim quest des- open-ended quest design... And you can handle some jank. I don't miss this one. Like so okay, far, so wow. far, this is like ex- delivering exactly what I hoped. Except for the, you know, obviously we always hope that their that spiders is going to revamp their character movement system. That hasn't really happened here. Um, but other than that, like this is the best Bioware game in years. <laughs> you can't get a better endorsement than that, people. So there you go. That's Greedfall, full price game, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Yeah, honestly, like give these guys Mass Effect. Wow. Like, Brave, Kyle. Can't be worse than Andromeda. <laughs> I don't know. One thing I would say Andromeda felt about Andromeda that was good was the gameplay. Yeah. That's it the, felt that's great the, to play. That's the one thing that Andromeda so did well. So what they really need to do is they need to merge these two teams right. together, and then they have the perfect action RPG. Yeah. Make it happen, EA. There you go. EA would never buy this. EA game. wouldn't. No. EA would <laughs> Definitely do. not happening. Uh, Go Hunt Rage Active is be actually made by Bioware. No, it's not. It's made by a team called Spiders. Yes. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've said Spiders a hundred times. Spiders, Spiders, Spiders. <laughs> All right. It's time to move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about Nintendo. I feel like we haven't talked about Nintendo. Well, no, we, the Direct was last week. And we had yeah, a we pretty talk about Nintendo. We talk about Nintendo all the time. You know what? You're right. Like, I, I, I try to get all three platforms and PC into the show every episode. So when I'm putting t- topics together for Game Face and I look at them and I'm making some tough cuts, I'll say, okay, do we have anything for the people who really like Nintendo this week? And so I do try to make sure there's something for everyone in every episode of Game Face. Uh, we did talk extensively about the Direct next last week. We're going to talk this week about Nintendo's Blue Ocean strategy, 
We've heard so much about Nintendo's Blue Ocean strategy from Nintendo itself. That was its calling card when it announced the Wii. It's like, we're going Blue Ocean. Everyone else is in the Red Ocean getting eaten by the sharks. We're going to go into our own patch of water where there's nobody else, and we can do our own That was own just a thing. stealth way of announcing Endless Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I think at first people thought it worked because the Wii was such a huge success. But ultimately, Nintendo moved a lot of hardware but yeah. did not move a ton of software. No. I mean, obviously, Wii Sports sold out the butt and some of the... Well, yeah, because they came with a system. Because it, Right, but even so, after that, they sold Wii it Sports separately. And, Wii and, Sports and Wii Play were your two big hits because yep. people wanted the extra controller that came right, in Wii Play. Right, that came in Wii Play. Yeah. Um, and I, would, I, am, I have always said with no, uh, with no actual statistical backing that um, my bet would be at least 50% of all the Wiis on the planet never played anything other than Wii Play and Wii Sports. I would agree with that as well. And so the other... Part of the Blue Ocean strategy was its handheld strategy. Um, the DS, mm-hmm. the 2DS, the 3DS, uh, two screens, and then 3D, and with a touch screen. And that was very successful for Nintendo mm-hmm. on both counts, on hardware sales and software sales. But since then... And the DS is still the most successful system of all time. Right, yeah. But since then, things have changed it feels like Nintendo has stopped swimming in the blue ocean to swim in the blood-infested waters with everybody else with Switch. Would you agree with that? No. No? What is what is blue ocean about Switch? Well, nothing's blue ocean about it except for the fact that, that the others don't consider competition. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that counts as blue ocean, but, like, clearly Microsoft is not threatened by the Switch. And I would think I think Sony would say that the Switch is not their competition because they're just not putting out the same kind of games. Do you believe that, or do you think that's a convenient way for these other guys to say we're not really getting our butts kicked by Nintendo? I believe it, without question. Like, like something like sixty percent of Switch owners, it's their secondary second system. So what spurred this on is this trailer we're watching right now. Uh, this thing, which yeah. is this weird exercise band thing. I feel, for I feel like they let the guys who worked on the Wii out of the closet, or right? Something. It's, it's, it's like, this has like Wii Fit and all that other crap all yeah. over it. What, it. Whatever, whatever basement they were keeping these guys in, they're like, all right, fine, you can come design a peripheral. They're like, you, you put cardboard on the system. <laughs> like, okay, okay, come on. So what happened was I saw this trailer, and there's more information coming on this at on the twelfth on Thursday. Thursday at TGS, and I watch this, and I'm like, this feels like Wii era Nintendo. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is like Wii Fit vibes, for sure. Yeah, and and I think what struck me the hardest, though, was that I didn't have this idea of Nintendo anymore since Switch mm-hmm. launched. This was, to me, was not something that Nintendo does anymore. See, I don't agree with that, because we have had Labo. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, Nintendo periodically does these weird off-the-wall things. And this I'm not saying this is like Labo, because Labo is obviously a very different audience. It's for younger kids and kind of like the more crafty stuff. But this is the same kind of, this like, hey, let's use this hardware for a more inventive or more uh, out-of-the-box way of, I mean, obviously out-of-the-box is a weird way to describe Labo because it's made of It boxes. is a box. <laughs> but like, um, like out-of-the-box thinking in terms of like, hey, let's just see if we can do this weird thing. Um, and that does go back to, uh, honestly, I think that goes back before the Wii. I mean, the connectivity thing was bizarre. Like it was, it was the same. You know, they've always loved doing these. I think of, the connectivity thing they made it seem more bizarre than it really was. Well, the bizarre part of the connectivity <laughs> thing was that, like, 
first you they had to say. thought it was a good idea. Yeah, well, first you had to say connectivity. That's such right. a weird word. But the other thing is like, um, it just you were you were counting on people to buy so many peripherals and having have so many GBAs Extras, and have so yeah. many. That, and like once you got all that together and played like Pac-Man versus, it was great. Yeah. Or uh, but it, the, Crystal Chronicles wasn't great, but it worked. But the barrier was much. huge. But they've always kind of had this thing where like we want to do like a weird hardware thing that lets you play in a way that you can't play on other systems. Like that was that's always been kind of their their mo the vitality and, sensor uh, the vitality that? sensor never <laughs> happened and i mean it was that was at the heart of the wii like the, the waggle was at the heart of the wii it's heart of the wii u with the extra screen kind of trying to double down on what the D, the ds did uh and it's really at the heart of the switch in the sense that like no other system lets you go take take something on the go and then plug it back in and play it on a tv i mean that's still sort of the pedigree is still there it's just not as wild yeah um I this mean, on the other hand does seem to be kind of going back to their roots as like um Here's a batshit peripheral that, like, you can't really figure out when you just watch the trailer, but once you get your hands on it, it'll make sense. I mean, Labo has not done well. It's done well enough to keep going. Like, I don't, I don't know I what mean, the I mean, they number... probably have a team of, like, ten guys working on yeah. Labo. I mean, how, how much how much could that take, really? You know? Right. It's not a big investment to keep it going, but, I mean, if you But look Nintendo at seems sales... to like having those things around. Yeah. But I, I'm least, surprised that that's still stocked on shelves, frankly. I, I me too, because it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And so Labo did not do well financially. And you're right, that was the closest thing, in my opinion, in the Switch era that they had to some kind of a Blue Ocean idea. But Look, look at all these Wii U things that never happened. I know, I know. <laughs> but that's what Nintendo does. It throws a bunch of crap against the wall, it gets fans excited, and then it either never comes out, or when it does come out, it's completely different from what they originally showed. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't always the case back when I felt like it was a blue ocean company. Like, it did do motion gaming, motion control gaming. That was a blue ocean strategy to control something besides an with something besides an analog stick and buttons. That was revolutionary to me. I mean, it was the Wii was called the revolution. Literally the code name. That was yeah. the code name of the Wii. And I feel like Nintendo's gotten, got away from that. And I think it's the right idea. Because if you look at the Switch, sure. You can plug it in, and it plays as a console. Pactor doesn't even look at it as a console. He literally just calls it a handheld because it's kind of going that way with the light and everything else. So Until the Pro comes out. Uh, I guess. Um, I mean, if, if, the patent, if the patent leak was right for the light, the Pro, the, the, not, I mean, whatever we're calling it, but the Pro was also part of that. See, I, I don't look at the Switch as Blue Ocean. I look at it as innovative. And there's a difference between innovative and Blue Ocean. Blue Ocean is doing something no one ever dreamed of. Innovation is using existing paradigms and working them in a way that no one else thought of. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think Blue Ocean is the PR bullshit. It is. Speak. It mean, is. Innovation is sort but of But it the... was a, a mantra that Nintendo operated as business by. And I feel but like... When was the last time they said that, though? Oh, they still say it. Do they? Oh, Nintendo still thinks it's in the blue ocean. I think it just did that with the light. I think the Switch Lite, it was actually meant, that word, that phrase was actually mentioned in, like, the trailer for it. So, to me, the so, best Nintendo... Well, they clearly are working off a different blue ocean definition than we are, then, yeah. because there's nothing, no one's ever done this before about a handheld system. No, I mean, also, the if you remember, the PSP Go, you could plug that into a cradle, and it had a cable that you could yeah, plug you, in your yeah, TV. Video like, out. It's yeah. not even, Switch isn't even all that innovative. I mean, the, the Switch innovation is the convenience and the ease of right, it. Right, right. It's, it's so the speed. To, right, so to me, the Switch has not been a Blue Ocean thing for Nintendo, as flimsy as that descriptor no. is. I mean, it, I still wouldn't, That I still would don't think that just because they're not doing Blue Ocean in that regard anymore means they're in the same ocean as the 
as Sony and Microsoft. But what I'm getting at is the closer Nintendo has come to swimming in those same waters, the more successful it has been and it has become. Nintendo is doing very well right now because it's supplying a ton of software to its platform. Sure, you can play it handheld or, or docked or whatever, but it's supplying a lot of software to its platform. It has a platform that is easy to develop for and easy to port other games to. Therefore, it's getting a lot more third-party support and indie support. So, to me, the closer Nintendo goes to the mean, which I think a lot of people would also argue getting closer to the mean would be producing hardware that's more powerful than what it, it's producing right now. Mm -hmm. The closer it gets to the mean, the more successful it is. The more mainstream Nintendo's platforms are, the more successful they are. Look back. Yeah, but I would say that they can only go so far with that because once you put yourself in direct competition with Sony, you're kind of back in the same boat again. That that pushed them into that blue ocean strategy in the first place. Now, I don't know if Sony is the monolith that they were in the PS2 era. They probably certainly aren't. Um, I think if there's one thing we've learned over, say, the last three generations or even four generations, uh, if you want to include Nintendo's lesson at the hands of Sony, nobody's invincible oh, yeah. in the console space. Like, well, you, I think Microsoft just learned that. Oh, yeah, After sure. the transition from 360 no to 1. Yeah. I, I think there's a non-zero chance Sony's about to learn that again. It very moving might forward. possibly. Yeah. Um, but, like, I do think Nintendo's strength on the Switch has been... It hasn't just been moving away from that, like, stupid human tricks element That's of the Blue Ocean strategy. Yeah. Um, I think it's also knowing where to stop. Like, where to not, you know, the f it annoys the hell out of me that this system is so underpowered and that Zelda doesn't look better and that this, you know, that kind of thing. But it's also sort of the strength because it keeps them out of the line of fire of the competition. It gets them the cooperation of Microsoft, which has obviously benefited them and will probably benefit them True. even more moving forward. Um, whether that might have happened anyway, because Microsoft seems less interested in getting you to own Xbox hardware and more interested in getting you into the Xbox ecosystem, no matter how you get there. It might Maybe that wouldn't have mattered. But I think keeping out of the line of fire of Sony and just doing their own thing uh, is sort of like this. they're riding that line and it's really working for them. And also, I think you've seen just from software sales that like the fan base doesn't care that it, it's not like perfect. 4k all the time you know they just want yeah. the games and they want them and i mean they, they're it's kind of a good enough thing and really that was sort of the heart of the ds success too is like was that the most powerful thing was the best way to play everything no but it was giving you things you couldn't get anywhere else you know that was the only place i could play like you know gba and ds were the only places i could play these castlevania games mm -hmm. you know that was that was enough for me the yeah. you know, mega the mega man x uh, the mega man z zero games um, Fire Emblem stuff, you know? And now Switch kind of not only takes over sort of the, the blue ocean idea of like, hey, you can be handheld or you can be, you know, we got this stupid human trick stuff going on with the Labo and with this, what is it called? The, the ring thing? Oh, they don't have a name for it. There's no it's name It's just yet? called like New Fitness Initiative, and I okay. think they're going to unveil the name of it on Thursday. I hope it's not actually called Ring Thing. <laughs> but, that um, might be a better name know. than Nintendo yeah. actually comes up it's gonna with. Be, it's going to be a word like Amiibo that I means mean, nothing. Um, don't forget the Vitality Sensor. Well, at least that never came out. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I mean, there's like VR companies that are working on something very similar, too, up yeah. to that. You know, well, that. now Nintendo is also, there's a bunch of patents. There's another that, patent on that. I like, do you see the, the third-party patent for the, the, the ones that, the, Joy-Cons that fold back. Was that third party? I thought that was, was that Nintendo's. Maybe I'm thinking there was another third party that went, party one that was like oversized Joy-Cons. Well, the the new patent for Joy-Cons from Nintendo was 
They the were folders. bigger, and they folded down. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Oh, it's a great idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. But that's, fold, not, fold, blue, that's not Blue Ocean. Though. No, no. Fold, <laughs> folding is the new hotness, though. It I mean, is. Samsung's like, trying to get that out in your phone now. Yeah, I think everybody thought Apple was going to show off a folding phone today. But nope, that, just Apple TV. Yeah, plus. and an, an iPhone 11, I guess. Was yeah, I mean, the iPhone 11 is fine and all, but it's just like, why would you get that when it's not 5G ready? Now, I'm glad you brought up Apple, actually, because... Apple, on the flip side, the more blue ocean it is, the more successful it is. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think in one I, industry it's it's I, more acceptable? I just think the cults want different things for yeah. each, oh, really? each company, basically. Yeah. Like, like the the, and I also think Apple's fan base is more starved for something new, something new, and something that makes it feel like the old Apple. Yeah. That we're, we're you know the Jobs era Apple, whereas. Nintendo, I think, has done a better job of continuing sort of the tone and um, objectives that Iwata established before he passed away. And I feel like they've continued to kind of respect his plan for the Switch and kind of for Nintendo moving forward. And it's all working. Because let's not forget that Iwata, whatever you may think of him, was a brilliant businessman. Oh, yeah. And knew exactly what Nintendo needed to do next. Yep. And I think you're seeing that pay off moving forward. And, the, and really the best thing with uh for nintendo right now is that their new leadership is willing to sit back and say you know iwata had this we're just going to keep doing what he recommended until we have we see a we run out of his ideas until we see and a reason to change screwed. pretty much <laughs> they already you lost know. they already lost reggie reggie's going back to cornell uh, you know you know before i want to see i want to see reggie I, I, i'd love to see reggie's first day at cornell <laughs> teaching at cornell he's like I'm Professor uh, Reggie fils I'm here to kick ass and kick hand ass out and Fs. Kick ass and take roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kick, out, <laughs> kick ass and hand out Fs in Ds. <laughs> but, um, Do you agree with my assertion? Whereas, like, whereas I think Apple, like you're, you're chasing the ghost of Steve Jobs, who like innovate. he innovated in a different way from Iwata because he, his thing was just sort of like, you tried to make a thing and you brought a Steve Jobs and he'd tell you out of his own fevered brain whether it was good or bad or the right thing or whatever whereas Iwata was a more straightforward planner yeah um so there's an advantage there um also like I think you can't really just go back and dredge up old IP from um you know from early Apple days like you can't just make an iMac again. right yeah but you can make a, a you can't a, remaster an iMac no you can't you can, <laughs> you can make a back to basics Mario game though that yeah. sets the world, sets everybody on fire. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's well, a you let people world. make their own Mario game. content creation versus hardware creation because like the hardware creation is part of Nintendo's strategy, but really they only do it once every few years. Yeah, whereas Nintendo, whereas Apple has to continually figure out a way to get you to spend another twelve hundred dollars on a phone you already own. So, what do you think is the smartest path forward for Nintendo? I think just keep doing what they're doing. You, frankly, do you think to you should keep having an underpowered platform compared to the competition? I mean. For my, look, I feel for like for my I'm... personal selfish wants, I would I wish the, their next system would be as powerful as a PS5. Do you think um, it will be successful that way though? I don't know. I see that's the thing is I don't know if it would be. I think they're more guaranteed success if they keep doing kind of the half as powerful thing, but also the half as expensive thing. Mm. You know, like if you can But keep, they're not really half They're as not expensive. half as expensive here, but they will be next gen. Yeah. If they keep that curve that, that well, power when curve it, going. next year when the new consoles come out, it will be half price right. because the Switch will be 250 and the new consoles I I think will be at least 500 bucks. So, yeah, I guess after a few years, I mean, they're kind of lucky that they're in the off cycle, 
mm-hmm. they can come in with like a new platform in the middle of the cycle for everybody else. Um, but to me, I don't know. I, I think having a, a con, I don't see how Nintendo having a console as powerful as PS5 and Xbox Two or Scarlet, whatever it ends up being called. I just can't ever see where that would be a bad thing. I just Nintendo's games looking good as possible to me is always going to generate more money. I mean, yeah, but like at the same time, they haven't needed it, so why, why up that cost? Like, I think as from a business standpoint, I mean, personally, I would love Metroid Prime Four to look as good as Halo Five. Yeah, but like, I'm I'm the weird exception in that. Like, I don't think you're weird, man. I think I am. I think I don't I, know. I, I I mean, I'm sure the Nintendo faithful would also pay five six hundred dollars for the next Nintendo system, but that's not going to get you the sales that the Switch has. You know, like I think again, especially when you've got the switch also had an advantage. I think that it came in so late in the gen that no one was saving money for a console. It it was late in the gen, but it wasn't so late in the gen that everybody was trying to save money for a new console. They were willing to jump in on that switch. Um, Forget three hundred dollars is not. Was it three fifty? Three hundred? Yeah. It was like it was like you know. Was it three fifty or three hundred? Three hundred. Three fifty. Three hundred for switch. It launched three hundred, I believe. Like that's not a huge. Outlay. Huge jump in, you know. Except it three, was four the years. same as what the PS right four was costing at that. But moment. it was what uh, three years after you'd bought that. Yeah. So was it three? Or yeah, I mean four? they haven't really dropped the price on the no. the latest like Gen eight consoles. Not too much. And Not I mean, at the rate they used to. The Switch has, and I mean, look, the, the touch screen on the Switch is going to keep that price at a certain point, no matter what. Yeah. Like, there's really only it's the same reason the Wii U never really dropped in price, even though it was. You know, you'd think there would have been a fire sale clearance on those things at some point, but instead Nintendo just bought them all back from the retailers. Yep. Um, which is again why I'm so pleased to see them moving Wii U exclusives forward onto the Switch, and of course by extension future Nintendo systems, because eventually those Wii U game pads are going to stop working, and you will never be able to play those games again. Yeah, I mean they're not going to work. Yeah. I I don't know. I think if you just look at Nintendo's history, every time it has it is gotten close to the competition it seems to do better when it even went back in the snes i don't know if that's true of the n64 i mean the the thing about uh it was ahead of the curve there though with the n64 it didn't make a console of equal power to playstation one it was more powerful Mm, and at least in some ways it depends on what you wanted i mean the I mean, there's no denying it was a, it could compute more. It was a more powerful system. Yeah, but it didn't have the AV capabilities that CDs gave the PlayStation right. 1, right. so they kind of went in a weird direction with that. But, I mean, the real argument against that is the GameCube, which was on par with the other systems of the, of the generation and just didn't do anything. It didn't get yeah. anywhere. Even though I would argue that in a lot of cases, I think even if it wasn't the most powerful system, which I think is still still debatable, yeah. I think GameCube had the best image quality. I agree. Of, yeah. of the three systems that yeah. gen. Even with the, the Xbox's power, like there's nothing that looks as sharp as Rogue Leader or Metroid Prime or Mario Sunshine. I don't even like Mario Sunshine, but Mario Sunshine is a gorgeous game. Um and that always frustrated me about the Wii and the Wii U was kind of that step back in image quality. Yeah. Um, oh, which, the Wii looked terrible. Which the Switch does even with component cables. Yeah. It terrible. Oh, the lot. I mean, even if even if Xenoblade Chronicles was just a straight remaster and not like a remake the way they're doing it, like it's not a full remake, but they're redoing everything. Like yeah. they're, they're not just upresing the textures and calling it a day. 
I would still buy it. It was just a straight remaster because that game, even in its original Wii form, like if you run it on the Dolphin emulator, that game's gorgeous. If you if you put it through, oh yeah, you put it through an quality. All those games look gorgeous on Dolphin. It's crazy. Super Mario Galaxy, like I'd love to have all those things move forward. But anyway. Vincent brings up a good point. He says if Nintendo's next console is as powerful as the other ones, the games will take longer to make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one would hope that kind of the you know moving away from the double the two pillar development system like now, and I think you're already seeing that. Where like the switch oh, the is dividends. Yeah. The switch's release schedule is full of stuff almost every month. Yep. So like you're finally seeing that like you know if you concentrate their release schedule from the the handhelds and the consoles and put them on one system. You've got a full schedule of things all year, so that's finally working for them. Having the architecture of their platform be such a way that it's very easy to port other games over instead of having to code to the metal like a lot of mm-hmm. old Nintendo platforms worked, I think that's a huge advantage as well. Oh, for sure. Being I... able to to have somebody work with like an Unreal Engine and not have to like constantly call you to consult on how to get features to work because it's just all there in the API. Huge, huge difference from the way Nintendo used to mm. operate. I just think, um, like, I think the 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 time to make the Nintendo system as powerful as the Sony system is something that Nintendo has to kind of make and uh, kind of basically eyeball. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's this generation. I don't think it is. I, I think the Switch's successor should be a a a a, 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 a still a smooth curve in power up from the Switch. It shouldn't be. Uh, a, a, it shouldn't be a Scarlet. It shouldn't be a PS5. It should be Switch Two, um, whatever that whatever that works out to. I mean, look, because um, right about- now the lack of third party support is not really hurting them. Um, I don't know if that will eventually hurt them. Like that's a thing that Nintendo needs to use their own market research to determine is if there's going to hit a point where the fact that they do not have multi-platform library parity, uh, parity, not parity, parity is going to be a sales depressant um i don't think it's it's definitely not happening on the switch and i don't think it's i don't think you know if it's happening on the switch i mean the switch is doing great but it could could it be doing even better Um, well that's just like brainless capitalist thinking like that doesn't make any sense like like if you're already having that kind of success after two generations of uh subpar subpar behavior especially the wii u but also i think i don't think they're as happy with the wii as people believe they would be because while the wii did sell you know crazy volumes of hardware software just did not sell on that thing and like they have to be happier with the switch and how much software it sells because you've got attach rates on this thing in the 80% for the big games, whereas like for Mario Galaxy, one of the best Mario like games 8%. ever, it was like 8 to 10%, yeah. which is crazy. It is crazy. Um, so this is a much more all-around successful gambit. Um, is power holding them back? Like, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, you could kind of say, oh, you know, maybe they, they could be doing much better, but then you, you just sound like an overachiever parent at that yeah. point. You know? Well, I mean, as a business, you want to be an overachiever. Because I don't, because like maybe that's something you'd say to a kid who's getting like C's. I don't think Nintendo's getting C's no, right now. No, no, definitely not. It's doing an amazing I mean, they're game. dominating the charts every freaking month. Like, yeah. Like, they, I mean, it's like, it just feels like kind of that, it feels like an extension of that infinite growth idea. It's like, you just came off the Wii U. The Wii U was a really bad stumble. You lost your president. Uh, due to tragic circumstances, but you're doing really well. Let's not completely revamp the strategy right now. So you're saying don't rock the boat. I wouldn't rock the boat right now if I were Nintendo. So do you think the ocean stuff is rocking the boat is a bad idea? For now, maybe, but, like, it's like I don't think this 
uh, whatever I was, I don't know, this, the disc thing, the, the hoop. Yeah, the there's fit, no name the for fit, it. The fitness, the fitness hoop. ring. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the, um, the Fula hoop, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Uh, That's a great name for it, the Fula Hoop. I don't, I don't, I don't think um, this is gonna like mean that we don't get there. It is a real video game like in October. Hoop. You know what I mean? Like, like Demon. No, X probably the same team that was working on Labo is working on this crap. Yeah, or like if you some, look at that, like the software that was actually available for Labo, like it was all like lowbrow crap. Yeah, like I much. definitely don't feel like this is taking the place of a mainstream quote unquote game. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so I feel like if you want to put stuff like this out on the Switch periodically and that makes you feel good about your brand, cool. Like it gets you, you know, this is going to get them uh, non, you know, non-industry press. It's going to get them, you know, mainstream press almost certainly because main, we'll main, mainstream outlets love to report on like the weird dumb crap. The weird dumb crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nintendo or otherwise. And of course, because Nintendo has a history of this, I mean, Labo got write-ups in mainstream things. It did, things. yeah. Uh, and this, I mean, at the very least, if I see this as like a news editor at like a local news thing, and I see this trailer, hell yeah, that's going on tonight because it looks ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's not as compelling as a lot of the other stuff Nintendo's done. I, I would argue no, it's not the, even as compelling as but, Labo. But watching people make fools of themselves in the in the in the the trailer is is enough to get this some airtime, I think. Yeah. Um. So, but but it doesn't interfere. You know, the problem with like kind of the, the Wii era was like when they put out something weird like that, like Wii Music. That took the place of the game that quarter. Yeah, you know? I mean they were big games for like Nintendo there were stretches of six to nine months where nothing came out from. You're Nintendo only getting on like Wii Fit, Wii yeah. Fit Plus, and like all this other motion control. Yeah, crap. and then you get Jeff Keighley asking Reggie where the games are, and Je and, Keighley, and uh, Reggie being Reggie's like, "What are you talking well, about? Well, you got Animal Crossing." <laughs> this is like, bro, <laughs> you're not getting it, Reggie. <laughs> you're not getting it. I would contend that Nintendo, I think the path that it's on right now is the right path. And so when I saw this, to me, it was kind of a red flag. I was like, I this doesn't really jive anymore with what Nintendo's doing right now. To me, it doesn't. Um, I don't think it does, but it also doesn't interfere with what they're doing. So if that's what a thing they want to like make a continually part of their brand, sure. Like it doesn't doesn't hurt me. Yeah. You know? So Nintendo Blue Ocean or no? Should it stay, should it swim in a blue ocean or should it? Stay with everybody else in the red ocean. I mean, I think I think they sh they can do like these blue ocean products, like this, um, these little one-off things, circle workle thing or whatever. <laughs> but like the keep, full of but the but the 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 core of the switch is not. It's not. It's not yeah. blue ocean. Yeah, it's, yeah. We're gonna do what we do really well. Like we're gonna, we we make video games that people like, and we are going to make really good versions of those video games on this hardware that does a thing that people want. Done. Okay. Like that's like that's not blue ocean. That's just smart, smart. business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I look. I would prefer like blue, the blue ocean thing. I feel started because they realized after the GameCube generation that they could not compete with Sony as like sort of a multimedia platform. So they decided to go in a different direction, and to some degree that worked. But I think the Switch is a refinement of that strategy into like we don't have to go off and do crazy stuff because we we lost the core gamers doing that. So we can come back and, you know, just reinvent just, ourselves. Just basically. do it well. Like that's yeah. like you know, like this. You know, it ain't broken. You don't have to fix it, but you do have to execute. Yeah. And so I think that's what they've done with the Switch, and I think they do that over and over with every major software release, and they just have to keep the quality up. That's all. Okay. 
All right. Would I like it on a really more powerful system? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think that that is the best business choice right now? Probably not. Wait and wait and see what the PS5 and the and the Scarlet do. I mean, Nintendo has that advantage yes. of waiting to see what they do, and it could be even a case. like a spiders. And look, I'm okay with two years later the yeah. Nintendo platform coming out and being on parity with the two that came out two years earlier. Yeah, like, when the technology is cheaper and maybe Nintendo can afford it. I don't. I don't think you're going to get that. I think because I, I don't either. Because it it has to be a handheld. Yeah, and that's one thing. Pactor is one thousand percent on the money with with Switch. It's a handheld. That's a big reason why it's selling as well as it is. Great mm-hmm. software, sure. Nintendo always has great software, but it's a handheld. And I think if Nintendo I think the difference between GameCube and Switch, you're talking about, you know, kind of going back to the mean didn't work out for GameCube, it was a console only. It mm-hmm. wasn't a handheld. I I think if Nintendo were to launch a hyper powerful just console, doomed. It, I mean, we'd mm-hmm. love it. Or but if you want to launch a hyper powerful console, but also launch the handheld, you know, the, the light version. If you want to have like handheld and Switch version and dedicated console versions of all the same, the same system, like all the software yeah. works on it and it just scales. And you had the I, option. I'm buying of, that. Yeah, and you had the option. You want to sell me like some boutique five hundred, six hundred dollar like Nintendo Super system? I'll buy that. I'll I don't care. I don't care about the heart, the handheld stuff. I'll be perfectly honest totally with you. Do that. I mean, we're at the point with game graphics that, like, if Nintendo with this next next piece of hardware just put out this hyper powerful thing and was like look this is our platform for the next 10 years mm-hmm. i'd be okay with that yeah because we've reached a point now where games look so good you're gonna have to it's the law of diminishing returns you're gonna have to invest so much money for such a small incremental up, yeah. upgrade once you get some ray tracing in there i think you're, you're done you're pretty you're good for the done. next 10 years like so until maybe, they come until nvidia comes up with whatever, whatever the right, next thing right. is no, whatever the next whiz bang effect is going to be but i think Nintendo in particular could get away with that. They could put out a, something that's at the top of the curve or maybe a slight bump ahead, and they could keep that for 10 years. I don't think a lot of people will complain about it. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what it does. Um, it's learned a lot of lessons. I mean, they're almost doing that with the Switch because the Switch is basically a Tegra. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an NVIDIA shield. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. It'll be interesting to see what Nintendo does. I have a feeling after we really get a good idea... And look, Nintendo's already working on the next platform. It's not like it's waiting for PS5 and Xbox 2 to come out. before. It's already been... It was doing R&D on the Switch 2 before the Switch came out. Oh, so yeah. it uh, the, there's not a ton of wiggle room, although I would, I would argue that of the three platform holders, Nintendo does have the most wiggle room as far as being able mm-hmm. to be nimble and be able to change course more quickly than the other guys. I think they definitely have the most room to choose what they're going to be next. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Sony and Microsoft are kind of pigeonholed into you got to make a mega powerful console, yeah. and that's that. Like, even though clearly Xbox is not as interested in selling hardware anymore, they still have to step up with the hardware. Like the hardware yeah. still has to be there. It has to. Yeah. Um. So it's yeah. You're you're definitely seeing them kind of locked into what they're going to be. Yep. So there you go. Blue Ocean versus Red Ocean for Nintendo. We'll see what it decides to do here. I think in probably the next 18 months, we'll start to hear some rumblings. Purple Ocean. Purple. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it's in right now, I guess, yeah. huh? Yeah. All comes back to the GameCube again. <laughs> Maybe that was the idea with the color. I mean, who else makes the default color of their console purple? Although they called it indigo or whatever the hell they called it. Yeah, whatever. But anyway. All right, it's time to move the on to our lunchbox. Yeah. It's time to move on to the last topic of episode 181, and that is Gears 5. Not Gears of War 5, mm. Gears 5. Matt, you alluded earlier to the fact that 
you know, it comes out today at retail. Yeah. Um, so it's available now. But if you wanted to just spend a couple dollars, you could have been playing this game since like last Thursday. Yeah. Or if you uh, pre-ordered it, I think you could or, have been pre-ordered playing. it. Or if you just like got the free month of you know, first month of Game Pass. Right. Well, you had to have Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah. So I had Game Pass, and then it would have cost an extra two dollars. For two months of all, so for, for a ninety dollar game, right? Yeah. So two, you basically people were able to spend like twelve dollars to play Gears Five early. Yeah. Not just play it, play it early. Which I mean, you paid for it to some degree because there's a lot of tech problems here. But yeah. Um. So let's let's dig in here. Let's start talking about Gears Five. Um. Did you like Gears Four? I liked it okay. Yeah. Um. It felt a little safe. Yep. Um, and it had that usual Microsoft this gen thing of like the whole story was act one. It, like, it had that I told you this story to tell you this story thing going on where it's like, well, the next one will be the real story we wanted to tell. Which but we had to set game. it up yeah. with this. Now, uh, to be fair, I'm not done with this game. I'm, I'm right at the end of act two of four. But it feels I'm so. A, I'm in, like almost done with Act Three. So it I'm feels so close. far that they actually did tell a story. Yeah, yeah, I think the story in this is really good. Yeah, I also think the writing in this is really good. It's definitely better. It's a step up than what I can't done believe before. it's a Gears game. Yeah, <laughs> like there's some genuine, genuinely touching moments in this game. And there's some characters, and I remember their names, and they're not yeah. just Marcus and Dom, and like yeah. Like it was, they've they've like figured out something to do with Baird that makes sense. Yeah, like it's it's uh, you know Dell actually has a personality this time. Um, they stepped it up and it, and it works. I um, like I really like the story. I really like the characters in this. I feel like the characters actually have some depth and yeah. levels to them. Like I'm like Where I understand did this come why from? they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, they're not just, they're it not all just, makes sense. They're not like, just big suits of armor. It's not convoluted. It's not a big meathead plot. Like it, it has touches of that. Yeah. But the thing, the, the thing I like the most is that um, you really get a look at how this world works and how which it you've all never came seen to before. But you've yes. never seen before. They and fill like, in all kinds of backstory from like back when Cliffy was working on yeah. this franchise. And there's like one of the interesting things about this one I, that I think they do more, certainly more than anyone else, uh, um, is you know, the, ooh, that hurt. Uh, Never even saw it coming. <laughs> it just went from aiming down the Boom. sights to dead. Yeah. The uh, the you know the idea that Cliffy used to say it used to to use to to illustrate what the idea behind the aesthetic of Gears was was destroyed beauty. Yeah. Which was the idea that like this was a beautiful planet with like amazing architecture and these gorgeous buildings and like you were just going through the ruins of them. It was yeah. like we took these things, we made these beautiful things, and we just destroyed them. Yeah. And um. The interesting thing about that is sort of as you've gone through the series, like this, you know, this is humanity on another planet. Um, early on, the theory was the idea, the backstory was that this was one of Earth's colony worlds that was basically like thousands of years post colony. And like basically humans had been on this planet for so long, they might as well have been on this planet from the beginning. Like, they didn't even barely remember Remember Earth. what Earth was like, yeah. Now I think they've retconned that to be, like, this is just an alternate universe and this is where humans grew up. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I like the idea that no one knew that the locusts were underground, but I think they've changed sort of the origin of the locusts to be, like, more of a science-gone-wrong thing. Um, which they get into in years four and especially in this. Um, but the interesting thing to me was always that, like, 
uh, you know, the cog was sort of like it was, you know, there was it was rulership that needed to be there because they were at war all this time. But also the cog kind of had a fascist sort of totalitarian look, yep. and people were against it. And the strand, they just like were willing to abandon people to stranded during the war. And then like what happens to those people when the war is over? And they touch on that a little bit in four, but in this one you get to what I think is fascinating is you get to see like undamaged cities they're in and you walk through the halls of power uh, at one point to meet with the prime the first minister or whatever they call the the leader of the cog and you see what all this architecture looks like without the grime and the explosions and the damage on it and like the fascinating element of that to me is to is I want to know more about this human race on this planet that can that that is so focused on making these beautiful things but also does so many ugly things yeah. around it. Like the, the 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 friction between those two things is really interesting. I feel like Gears Five is the first game in the series to pick that up and run with it, and I love that theme. And yeah. and the fact that that's what they're doing with this is really great to me. I mean, the story is really about her. It is, yeah. And her finding out also really where smart she came from. And... Really smart of them to figure out that that's the focus. Yeah. After Gears Four, because because look, JD, I don't dislike JD, but he's. Little, I, do, I don't a, like he's him. He's a little bland. Like it, when There's not game, much to him. When this game first started and you play as him, I was like, really? Yeah. I, I have to play as the worst character <laughs> in this game? I admit that when I, because you know, when you load up, everything's done kind of server setup sort of yeah. stuff. And I admit when I started the campaign, they, they show like the characters you play. I admit I went to JD and tried to switch off him. <laughs> and, and it said <laughs> like, on, one player has to play JD for this section of the campaign. I'm like, yeah. oh, fine. I mean, they do jump around. You play as several Now, to be characters. fair, the thrust of the one act you play him as is that JD is an idiot. Pretty much. <laughs> so, and at the end of the act, he's basically exposed as yeah. an idiot. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Like, I've never expected to have a story that I cared about in a mm. Gears of War game. Although it's also still kind of, it's more compelling than maybe we're making that out to be because there is, the things he's doing is sort of a thing that any, uh, frankly, Marcus would have done in the original three games. Yeah. But it just doesn't work out as magically well for him. I mean, that's part of the plot as well. Yeah. Is the dynamic between him and his dad and him struggling to not be like his dad and everyone else telling him, you're like, exactly, you're totally your dad. You're exactly like your dad. By act two, you've got the same beard and the same yeah. lack of hair. And like, yeah. this, I mean, you might as well just put the bandana on and be done with it. I mean, dude. let's be honest, as human beings, I think we all go through that. Oh, yeah. Like, my mom has a thing hanging in her bathroom that says, mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my mother, after all. Hmm. And I think we all fight against trying to become what our parents, even though our parents may be awesome and great people, there's just like this intrinsic thing inside us that we don't want to just be carbon copies of our parents. And so I think that plot line in this game resonates, will resonate with a lot of people because, you know, people still revere his dad and people respect the mm. crap out of his dad. But even with that, he's still like, no, I'm my own person. I want to be my own man. But ultimately, time and time mm. again, the plot twists and there he is again acting just like Pops. Yeah, even, and all of it like kind of, there's a lot of thought put into how those characters sort of bounce off each other in that regard. Like the fact that uh, Marcus still calls him James. Yeah. Like even though he's JD to everybody else. Yep. Um, and you assume that probably he goes by JD because he hates the fact that his dad calls him James. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's great. There's a lot to it. Um, I like how Which they... is not a thing I ever thought I'd say about Gears of War. No. I mean, just also, also as you play through the game, you have a robot companion named Jack. Which, and, which I'm glad is back because he was missing from four. Right. And they they not only brought back Jack, which was one of my favorite little things that no one really takes note of from the original games, but Jack is like a big 
part of the progression and like he's a, he's a, he's a big they gameplay do a element great now. job humanizing him like there's one scene where like he's trapped out mm-hmm. and a trap door is about to shut and most of the team is like who gives a crap he's, but like right. the guy who owns him is like no 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 that's like it's my bro like we got to let him in and like he gets he gets in the door just mm-hmm. at the last minute and it's interesting to see everyone's reaction some people are yeah, like, well, like well the what Kate says who gives a shit well that's Dave their first robot yeah know? yeah and he says uh she says who gives a shit he's a robot and Dell says that's not his fault right yeah, and I'm like, what an interesting response to like, <laughs> like that's a re- yeah. like. There's no argument against it. it's like, yeah, because they do seem to have some measure of sentience, at least on the level of like a dog. Yeah, something. and then the the new one you get, uh, Jack is um is a new build from uh, from Baird. Yep, and they get facial expressions out of four lenses I on know. the end of his face. Like they just rotate, it's and you great. get like mad, and you get yeah. happy, and you get. I mean, it's amazing what it they really do with is. that. I mean, let's let's just say this game is on Xbox One is like a technical marvel. It is. I mean, this is, is this is one of the best looking games I've ever played. Seriously, without any question, it is Xbox One's. Technically, it is Xbox One's God of War. It is. Yeah. So far beyond like what we've seen on this platform. Like I'm playing it. All this footage, by the way, base Xbox One. Wow. None of this is X. This is base Xbox One. Impressive. And it still runs like grease lightning. Now, they cheat. The one my biggest complaint about this game is that unlike God of War, it does not reinvent the franchise. As mm. far as level design, game design, progression, all the stuff, like the nuts and bolts of a game, it's still pretty much yeah. the same. It's a refinement, not a reinvention. Yeah, I mean there's there's a pseudo open world, like eventually you get a skiff, which is yeah. that that air powered like snowboard thing that you've seen in all the trailers. Which is more it's more like in Uncharted Four, really. Yeah. It's more that's like a good, that's you, a good comparison. It's like an open yeah. area with points of interest. Yeah, yeah. It's not an open world. That's just yeah. one big open space where you can go anywhere you want. There are yeah. very defined levels that you go yeah, through. You go you find little points of interest that are usually marked by these yellow flags. Yep. And then you can you kind of you hop over a thing and you kind of fight if you usually you fight a fight and you find some stuff and then you you leave it and get back on the skiff and ride around. Like yeah. it's it's very. It's basically like they've taken a bunch of little handcrafted side missions and plopped them down in a big empty map. Right, and then you just travel with the skiff from one to the yeah. to the other, and then which when is you actually, fun. Like it, it, yeah, it, I, I enjoy this. The skiff looks cool. That the snow stuff is neat. The the persistence of the footprints and the skid prints oh, in the wow. snow is crazy. Oh my it god! It stays for forever. Ever. Like it, so I'm glad you brought that up because I for, actually forgot to put that in my notes, and I have a ton of notes about this game. But there was one part of the game where I got spun around and didn't know which way to go. And I looked at the snow hmm. and I could see the footprints where I had come into the area. And I'm like, well, I got to go the other way. And absolutely, it, you're right, man. The snow and the deformation in this game, amazing. It looks mm-hmm. so freaking good. This whole game looks good, man. The environmental destruction, like that seems to be like a focus for them in this game. And it's just all over the place. Like, the world is always crumbling down all around you. Like, we talked about how we saw Gears 4. I did that same thing there. Oh, really? Like, it's, you, they want you to stealth kill with B, but I No way, I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is one weird thing about it where, like, switching the chainsaw to right bumper trips me up constantly. It takes me a while, absolutely. What was I saying before, though? Uh, was- you're talking about... Um, uh, snow skiff and uh, 
footprints and environmental stuff and the destruction of the environment and things are falling apart all the time. Yeah, I can't remember where I was going after that, though. I got distracted. I don't know. It is, but it is very impressive debris and you know, even when just like kind of, you know, like we've seen thousands of levels collapse. Yeah. You know, as a, but this one. It's just constant. It just, but like the detail on it and, oh, the, yeah. and, the, and the, there's something just like visceral Well, then there's a the one section where you're walking, you're hiking up the, the mountain covered in snow and the gigantic boulders just start yeah. rolling down the mountainside. Like, it's pretty insane, man. Like, this game is gorgeous. Like, I can't imagine playing on an X. Like, it's blowing my mind on the base Xbox One. I mean, this doesn't look too far off. From really? Opinion. I mean, the, the X ha- seems to have, be- like, some more details on the foliage. Oh, and, I remember now um, what I was saying. And, uh, I mean, the X, I don't know what the frame rate is here, but, like, the X, the X is a butter 60 frames a second. Yeah. The- oh, the frame rate's rock solid. What I was going to say before was, remember at E3, when, was it you and I that went in and saw Gears 4 running in 4K in that yeah. crazy Atmos theater? Yeah. And remember how that game looked like a different game? Like, I can't imagine what this game is going to look like in the future. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, it is, like and you also, said, it's one of the best-looking games yeah. ever made. And also, I mean, the, the biggest change probably from what I'm seeing here is the fact that on my, my uh, TV, it's got HDR. Yeah, and the HDR with pop. with the deeper blacks, and yeah. the, I mean, especially in the dark areas where like you still see the details, but you don't. See, it's still dark, and then the, like the light like illuminates it differently, and like and you fire the gun, and it flashes, and everything lights yeah. up like that. I mean, it's. I mean, does it like change the fact that you're still doing basic Gears of War stuff over and over? No, no. but like, man, like the 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 visuals just make it pop in a way that like the same way kind of Gears of God of War worked. Like it was just yep. like it's like. You know, although God of War had more, uh, you know, I mean, I never really played anything with that axe combat that really compares to that. But it was that same sort of thing of like the the fidelity on display here makes this story that's already good feel even more interesting, feel even more sense of place, unbelievable, and yeah, and um, there's a lot to that, and just like the creature designs, creature great. design, the detail on like where a bullet hits and what it does when it hits, whether it goes into flesh, whether it bounces off, or whether it like damages the armor, like it's or crazy. knocks a piece of armor off, it's, or it's ridiculous. It really is. <laughs> I've I, I've been sh- shocked by this game, how good it looks. So there you go. If you're looking for a technical showcase for your Xbox One, here it is. No matter how jaded you think you are over video game graphics. This game's going to make your jaw drop. Yeah. And over and over again, I would add. And I wonder what it's going to look like on the Scarlet. Oh, I can't even. That's what I was getting at when I was yeah. talking about how we went and saw that in that 4K theater. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, that looks like a different game. What's this going to look like on Scarlet? Yeah. I mean, this thing already This thing already on my 4K TV, like, you know, even in a way that 4 didn't, it it has that moving painting quality to it. I'm sure some people are playing this on PC and they're sitting there right now saying, I've already seen it, Shane. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, the PC with like the extra, I mean, I've seen like a lot of clips of, of that and sort of the, the like the, the you know, the, the image quality is definitely there in, in a way that it's not on the Xbox. Um, but I don't have, you know, I, I have a powerful PC, but my cards don't do the weird little tricks yeah. that the new stuff does. So I'm sticking to Xbox. You don't have ray tracing yet. But, uh, very well. I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but, like, it's one hell of a ride. Yeah, so I mean, it, and look, the way it's paced is just crazy. Yeah, like, it as soon as something feel, happens... It, do, it doesn't feel like that thing that Gears 4 and Halo 4 and 5 did, where it's just like, get on with it. Like, oh, there's none like of that. Four, 4 had that thing where it's like, you were just constantly trying to rescue someone, either Marcus or Kate's mother, and, like, that's the whole story. Yeah. But, like, they're finally delving into kind of what the world is, what these creatures are, 
why it's happening, what happened to Kate, why all this, you know. It, again, the most interesting part of Gears of War is the literal last shot. Yeah. Where you see the back of the amulet. Yeah. Um, which is revealed to be the locust symbol. Yeah. And so now this this game deals with the fallout of that. The one thing I will say is Kate is continually, because she's connected to the locust queen thing, she's continually having these, like, headaches and visions, and she keeps going, like, like that, and, like, everyone's like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like... Have you people ever seen a movie? Yeah. <laughs> if someone is continually getting headaches and saying they're fine, they're, they're not, not fine. fine. <laughs> and it's going to kill you later. Like, <laughs> it's going to get way worse. I mean, yeah. at one point, there's a four-month jump here, and she's still doing that. And yeah. Dell's like, are you okay? I'm like, it's been like a year. And dude. you're like, still asking? Like, she's not okay, bro. Take her to the doctor or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to have some services around here, Well, she right? keeps saying she's going to go, and then she never goes. There's a point at which Marcus Phoenix just needs to take the children to the doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the pacing of this game game though literally like a piece of dialogue finishes and then like an explosion happens and then they're like what is that and then it just takes you on this whole other track mm-hmm. down the next scenario basically it is it's just relentless it never lets up they're always moving you forward they're always putting you in a different environment like it's it's uh the pacing not just the pacing in terms of like kind of like oh the set pieces happen one after another but the pacing in terms of everything like, what you're doing and why you're doing it shifts from a from a story angle in a way that no major Microsoft game has in years. Like, you, I hope the, the Halo Infinite guys are paying attention to how they wrote this. Yeah, well, you're also talking about, like, uh, you, you've, you've talked a bunch about how you don't like the enemies in the last couple of Halo games and how they're yeah. repetitive. I mean, this game is just, even though there aren't, there aren't, like, 50 different types of enemies as far as, like, classes of enemies, the way that the, the plot and the story cycles you through them mm-hmm. you never are fighting the same enemy for like an hour straight it's like you're always cycling through like everything that the game has like it's just very well shuffled paced very well and they think about like you know they'll they'll throw a different type of enemy at you after like a bunch of others and you're like oh i'm not equipped for this but if you look around properly you'll find you can what find you it they'll have the weapons there that you need to get through it um, i mean just the robot jack like mm-hmm. that's a whole diff whole other layer of Oh, I love the spark traps. Yeah, they're great. So good. So you can use him to do all kinds of stuff. He Mm. can just fetch stuff. So if you see a weapon or a pickup that's like across a ravine and you don't want to, you don't want to waste your time trying to figure out how to get there, or maybe you can't get there, you can send him to pick it up. He opens door Mm -hmm. latches. He attacks. He defends. He heals. He revives. Like the 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 Jack stuff is like really clever, but at the same time, like. Playing, I'm like, I can't believe they didn't do this in like Gears Two. Yeah, like it's it, it seems was right so there. obvious. Yeah, maybe in, they in tried. Maybe they tried, and they're just maybe. like, we can't get it to work. I don't but it know. was always so weird in the old games. Where like they have an invisible robot that opens doors for them, that's with them all the time, and it doesn't you do anything. Yeah. Well, now he does. Now he does tons. He's a he's a character in the game, and he's a he's a force on the battlefield, and it's great. Yeah, it's a little clunky using him. I guess that's one thing yeah. I would say. I never feel like I. Like, I've got it nailed. Yeah, it's I mean, like, they're trying to, to cram it into the interface, and it mostly works, but here and there you, you, you get some hiccups. I will say that the main issue, the one, the only issue I've had with this game is, um, you know. I'm I've a, had a lot. I'm, I do have a list of issues, but I, to be I fair, wanted to gush over it first. Now, to be fair, I've only played campaign. I didn't play any multiplayer yet. Yeah. But, um, so I was playing, and I'm a, you know, I'm a collectible guy. I'm a collectible stuff, so I'm picking up all the collectibles, and I'm picking up all the components, which is what you use to yep. upgrade Jack. Yep. 
And at and one a pretty point, pretty big tree for Jack. Oh yeah, I might add. You know, and at one point, I accidentally moved on to the next chapter without picking up all the stuff I wanted to pick up. So I backed on out. my list of complaints. So I backed out, <clears throat> and I restarted the previous chapter so I could go through and pick up all the stuff. And when I did that, all the components I picked up for Jack were gone. What? Oh, well, we haven't even Every, gotten to the fact that this game has. I've, everything was gone. And I, lo- and I and basically I, I everything from that chapter was gone and like basically and then but then I had a, a certain amount of uh, components but not the amount of components I should have had at that, that point. Sucks. And then it turned out that some of the upgrades on Jack were upgrade. I hadn't upgraded anything, but there were upgrades that had been chosen and, and upgraded for me, and I couldn't figure out why. And then I added it all up and refunded the the points, and it added up to how many I was supposed to have at that. So point. they had spent them for you. They had spent them for him, but then if I go back to the previous chapter, all those components are back again. What? But then if I go back to the main menu and look at my collectibles there, it lists all the components I've picked up as picked up. This game is hard crashed. I don't too. know how you screw up comp- like collectible tracking yeah. in a game this crazy ambitious in terms of tech, and like that's what goes wrong. I mean, apparently, so I don't know for sure, but what I was reading on Reddit and stuff was that the the component tracking and the collectible tracking like failing like that is apparently part of the fact that they keep the the saves uh, as part of like the connected to the server thing and because the servers are so unreliable right now that if you get if you you can lose connection and not realize you've lost connection and if they don't save the collectible or the component through that it cannot register on certain parts of the game uh, but basically, I've had it crash out to the dashboard like five times. So on, so basically, I haven't had any crashes. I've seen uh, our friend Benson, friend Mike Benson. Yeah. He sent me a little video of his character disappearing, and it's just a, had, it's just a gun floating in midair. I've had lots of little um, stuff like so that. So I haven't had any any glitches like that. My only problem has been. It it screwed up the collectibles and the and the and the component and the, and the collectibles. Collectibles, I don't care that much you about because it's because it's just a, it's just a thing. It's just a. Um, you can completely respect. Respect him, but I'm still missing some stuff I picked up, uh, and so the problem is like, well, I can't fully upgrade Jack if it, if it keeps doing that. So it kind of put a damper on my enthusiasm for the Jack aspect of things. And not that I use him all the time or anything, but like, I, I use him at it, least once it, every battle. It bugs me that like I spent all this time looking for these components, and now a bunch of them don't exist, or I got to go back and play it again. And one of the, the it's the the one main thing I would have to play again is the first act of act first chapter of Act Two, which is mostly like walking slowly it through is. a town. Yeah, and it's just like Ugh, I don't want to do all that. There's again. some good battles in that little section though too. There, after you walk slowly through the town, yeah. yes, it picks up. <laughs> it picks up quick too. There's some, some crazy battles on that on that street out there, but. Yeah, I've had it crashed to the dashboard at least five times. I've had all kinds of weird bugs. A lot of times the game will snap out of them, which is really weird. Like stuff will disappear, and I'm like, oh, I might have to reset, and then it'll appear. Hmm. I had uh, quests like where things didn't spawn that you needed to complete the quests. Like um, there was one room you walk into, and there's a terminal that you need to use, and the terminal never activated for Jack, so he hmm. could never interact with it. So I had to go back to the checkpoint. Now the good news is... This game is crazy checkpoint happy. Like, even when I've had these problems, I think I've literally lost, like, five minutes of my time max. Mm-hmm. So, for me personally, it hasn't been that bad as far as, like, oh, my God, I just play, spent all this time playing, and I it's all worthless or it's ruined or whatever. The, the checkpoints and the saves, now, here's a cool feature, too. In big battles, like, your team is like, what do you want? What kind of support do you want? And, like, I always, what, what do you usually choose? I usually choose the big, like, dude that comes in and just wrecks shop. I tend to forget what the names of them are. I do so. too. But I always end up choosing like the big dude that just drops down out of the sky and just starts destroying the enemy. Like, 
Well, I'd love to get that giant mech back from the end of four. Yeah. Or, well, maybe eventually. Yeah. I've seen a couple of them wrecked in places. Yeah. But. Yeah, they're in the game, but whether you get to control them or not, we'll leave that up to uh, for people to discover on their own. Now, I have a litany of issues with the game that I've uncovered, but I wanted to express how much I have enjoyed playing this game before I start nitpicking it. So um, the loading times are abysmal. Maybe um, that's not a problem on the X. Yeah, on, I haven't really on the base there. Xbox One. When you load the game up for the first time, it takes three minutes and twenty seconds. That it did take a long time to load up the first time I started it up, and then like it finally got into the tutorial and like they, that they tutorial that they force you to go through. Yeah. That's a terrible decision. That should be completely optional. Like, well, you can skip it. How? I think you have to just go to the menu and, and quit out or whatever. Oh, I thought you had to complete X number of them before it would let you skip out. No, nah, I would. I, I hit it, start, it def- and it, it wouldn't let me, like... It definitely offered to let me skip it, I think. But I didn't skip it. I just played it. I played it. It was awful. <laughs> um, my biggest complaint with this, and again, this is a problem that, that Gears has had for a long time, is inconsistent traversal. So there are so many walls, windows, things that you should be able to climb up on, in, around, but the game is just like, no, you can't go in there. There's invisible walls like all over the place. Again, it's been a part of Gears all along, but this is to my point of like, this needs to evolve like God of War did. Like it, it's, it's been so long. It needs to find what its next paradigm is. And this game does not, absolutely not find it. Adding a robot buddy to everything does not change the fundamentals of the game. And we've been playing this same thing now for what? Now six entries. There was Judgment. Actually, is it seven? No, it's six. Six. So as I've sat and watched Assassin's Creed and God of War and all these games evolve into something different and so much better, this game is just like, it's like the pinnacle of what they've been doing all along. I guess is the best way that I can put sort it. Sort of. I, I will say this as someone who did play the whole series before this came out. They have evolved it. Yeah. Go I back mean, and play Gears 1 no, and 2. No, sure. Like they, I, I get they, that. They, this, the game plays so much better than... I mean, there's a point at which you have to reinvent it on the level of what God of War did. Yeah, that's what I'm point, saying. But why would you do that? Because then it's not Gears anymore. I mean, why would why would they do that with God of War? Then it's not God of War anymore. Well, because there's multiple ways to hit things with a, with a, with a blade, basically. Um, I don't know how you reinvent gears and keep it gears. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, you can give it an open world. You can give it more latitude in the level design. You can make it so you can actually climb and go anywhere in the game instead of having to put up these false barricades to keep you from See, going I just, there. I haven't run into much of that. Like, it's, it's all over. The, I've never. I haven't seen. You haven't much seen of windows it. where they're right at like waist height, and it won't let you climb into the window. Not that I wanted to climb into. But there's the way they've designed the levels. You can see into the rooms. Like sometimes mm-hmm. one of the windows will be busted out, and you can see in there. It's like all lit. Like it's an environment from the game, but it just says no. Yeah. You're not going in there. Well, usually that room is a either somewhere I wouldn't care to go, or it's just like a place where you can send Jack to pick up a collectible. Sometimes, or and see that's the that so. Here's why it really bothers me. It's because this game has tons of collectibles. and Too many, really. Too many. And so you're constantly looking around like, trying to find them. Just Chapter 2, or cha- you know, Act 2, has something like 120 components for Jack's upgrades. Yeah. You can find them anywhere. It's crazy. It is crazy. And you need all but like 30 to fully upgrade him. And so, right. And so here's the thing. It's like 
you're always looking for stuff. So you're always trying to get in a window or through a crack or whatever. So when you see these windows, you're like, oh, I can get in there. It's just, it's like I said, inconsistent traversal mechanics. In this one area, I can climb through a window like that. In this other one, I can't. I know there's stuff everywhere never, that I need I to climb. I just have never run into that. Like I mean, every is, time I see a window I can't climb into, I'm by visually I know I can't climb in it. How? What is it that tips there's, you off? There's just there's just like a standard set of parts in the game, and like if a window you can if, if it's a window you can climb in, it has a certain squareness to it that a lot of the other I have windows not don't picked have. up on that at all. It's just I mean I just I I just stopped looking because I've played a whole fucking lot of gears in the last couple of months and like yeah. you just see well maybe that's part the of pieces it. maybe that's part of it you've been playing so much gears I have yeah. not and I I finally gave up and stopped well, you might also looking. be assuming that because of how d good and how different some of this looks that they might have also refined that and yeah. they just haven't it's just the same it's, just, it's, games, it's still made of the same pieces my point is most games don't do this anymore most games you can go anywhere and they give you the mechanics to climb and climb down and this again it just feels a lot of this game feels like the perfect version of gears of war but not something that has moved forward and moved past a lot of the tropes that the franchise has had for a long time. Again, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. It's a great game, but I just don't know what you mean when you say like what what should it do then? I should be able to go anywhere. I should be able to climb up walls. I should be able to climb through window. If there's a window, I should be able to shoot out the window and climb through it. Particularly when as you said, in a lot of those rooms that they don't let you go into, you can send the robot through the window to go get fetch stuff for you, but you can't go in there. Like I just don't I don't care about that. I, I do care. I don't know, I care I don't know about, why that's a thing. I care about consistency in the universe and the world. That's all I'm saying. It's inconsistent. Well, there's like, nothing inconsistent about the idea that you can't go in every room. Like that's true in reality too. <laughs> like I can't get into every house I see. Only if the doors are locked. And so they are. I wouldn't. Just, I mean, I guess you could just but jump through the window. Ninety thousand times in this game, they bust through doors. Like that's what I'm talking about. It's inconsistent. It doesn't do the same thing every time in every environment. I, I don't think that that's up for debate. It's a fact. Whether it bothers you or not, that's up to you. It does bother me. Um, melee still feels like crap to me. Like the B button is melee, and you just start slashing with the knife. It just feels like a lot like. Breakpoint, it just feels completely random whether you actually kill somebody with it or not. Um, most using most things I've seen die in two hits from that. Uh, I think that's only there because the the old melee was so effectively useless. Yeah. Like, separating it out from kind of the chainsaw makes it um, at least a more reliable way to get someone off you without having to rev up. I think that's what... I don't agree with making the chainsaw button the same as the reload button because that has yep. gotten me confused. There's a, a lot times. of buttons that have double duty, and that, that was my next point. It drives me crazy. Like, a lot of the... Uh, several of the buttons will do two different things, and whether you hold it long enough or whether you just tap it, it changes its functionality. Um, like, a lot of times, like, um, the bayonet or the chainsaw bayonet is to... Oh, you just said that. Is right bumper... That's also used mm -hmm. for something else, and you'll end up doing something else. You reload when you mean to rev yep. up, basically. Exactly, yeah. Um, and that's important because you have active reload in this game, and like mm -hmm. it'll start reloading. You're not prepared for the active reload. You and miss then, it. And then you're like, oh, no, I wanted to rev the chainsaw, but instead of revving the chainsaw, you, you screw up the active reload. Yep. Now you got to wait even longer, and by that point, you've already been hit in the head yep. or something. Yeah. So, there's look, these are nitpicks. This game is great. It's really fun to play, but, look, there are certain things that people get hung up on that are deal breakers for them. And I want to make sure I mention them all. Um, like I said, I had a bunch of hard crashes. Um, 
the collectibles are kind of front-loaded. Like, the first couple acts, there's tons of collectibles. As the game goes on, they become more and more scarce, mm-hmm. which seems weird. That's always kind of been how they worked. Like, usually the first act has a lot more in, in both, uh, was it certainly three and four? Um, the co- components, on the other hand, which are not tracked as the way collectibles are, but are what you use to upgrade Jack, those things just keep on keep on trucking like I'm, yeah, yeah. they're everywhere and as you get farther into the game when you pick up one you'll actually get like five or six yeah they start to have like packs of three yeah and so even even like like every in the first open area every little side thing has a three pack of components you can find somewhere in that area yeah um that's the thing is like it's like an it's an interesting my main i guess nitpick would be that it's an interesting um shift to kind of the uncharted style of giving you a little more freedom to explore an area but it's very much the same vein. <laughs> that guy running in the corner, I like that. Um, it's very much the same vein as Uncharted in that it's just like, we are going to give you these very compartmentalized areas. Yeah. And uh, that's really all there was. We'll to give it. you the illusion of an open world, but it's really not. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and like, sort of like, uh, I mean, I guess it's a little bit like Breakpoint break as well. I mean, what was it? Uh, my friend said that. Uh, Breakpoint is Metal Gear Solid Five. If it didn't have a brain in its head, you're just kind of progressing from open area to point of interest. But then at the point of interest, there's nothing really interesting to do. No, you're right. No, that's um, a good analogy. There are more interesting things to do at Gears in Gears Five's uh, points of interest, but it's not like it's a firefight or it's a boss fight or it's like a little thing, and then you get rewarded with usually a jack upgrade and then like maybe some components and some ammo to make up for what you use to get through the boss fight, and that's about it. Like that's basically all you're doing um and like it's it's just it's just this side of compelling like it's yeah it's just on the edge of like i don't know if i if i care or not but i'm still <laughs> doing it the game so, is fun that's why is. i mean it's just it's not even mindless fun like it is it's got this game's got a heart Unlike most Gears, it's weird to even say that about a Gears of War game. Yeah. This game has got a heart to it. It makes you want to keep playing it. It makes you want to find out what happens to all the characters. And the it is, it is stuff a, is fun and exciting. And I think it's officially Microsoft's best story of, of all their in-house properties. That'll change quickly with the new studios it has, I think. But Here and there, yeah. As of but right, right now, now yeah. they I think Gears finally beat Halo. Yeah. I mean, and that for wasn't a, while, a very high bar. I mean, but, no, but like <laughs> Halo used to have a really interesting story yeah. until the end of three, um, and then. Uh, but the idea that Gears would have had a compelling story at all was a little ridiculous for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it is the 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 template for the dude bro shooter. You know. Yeah. But there's a lot more to this one. This is so. not dude bro. No. Which, not at all. In uh, fact, in some Cliffy way, Cliffy may be disappointed by this game. <laughs> in fact, in some ways, it's like you're off brand. In some ways, it's a response. To it kind is. of the, the the stereotypes that people hold about the the series. Yeah, um, I just feel like this is the last time they can kind of get away with this old design. Like maybe for Scarlet, uh, they finally do like a big reboot of the franchise. I just I don't think that they can make this design any better. I think this is just it. Yeah, I mean this might just be gears. Like okay. I don't I don't know what else you can really do without. I mean, you can you can streamline the how the environments are built so it's not as obvious what's cover and what's interactable and that kind of thing. 
you can um, I don't know expand the environment so it feels less like kind of a by rote open world area I guess cattle shoot I mean this is um, a basic this is a classic cattle shoot level design it's just a point it's like you know you can only reinvent Uncharted so much yeah you, know, un- like you can't you couldn't really do a God of War style reinvention of Uncharted either uh, without, without... I mean you could definitely make it open world and make it work. But like, who, does it need to be that? Like, I don't, I, I don't feel like the open world stuff in this really adds a whole lot. Well, no, I think the open world stuff in this is all tacked on. Right, but like, is that really the direction I'd like to see them go with this? Not really. I'd it rather, is for me. I'd rather, Absolutely. I'd rather see them continue to refine sort of the story driven sections and like kind of the the set piece moments and integrating that with like this much better. I don't know who wrote this. In There's a destruction the other we were talking about yeah. earlier. It just uh, happens all. But the like time. they they finally got the writing down, and I'd like to see them work more towards using the environments and, the, and to they tell need the to story. Hire that writer to write Halo is what they need to do. Whoever yeah. it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that works. If like I don't either, but they need to be, do it. But like they, at the very least, I would let the the writers of this game, like read the Halo Infinite script and give some feedback. Like yeah. that would they, they clearly know how to structure something like this properly. Yep. Now we haven't talked about multiplayer and horde mode uh this episode. We'll probably touch on it next Tuesday, uh, but I have kind of discussed it already when I was in the beta, I talked about mm-hmm. it. I guess the one thing I would say is if you're hinging your purchase on multiplayer, just know that there's really nothing innovative about it at all. They made a big hoopla about it like before E3 and everything, but the Horde mode, I think, might be a little worse than prior Horde modes. It's definitely not any better. Uh, and some of the other new modes that they've debuted to me are just kind of trash. Um, the competitive stuff, you know, it's the same, but prettier and faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't say that, like, don't buy it because the multiplayer is so bad. Just don't expect a lot of changes or innovation or anything different. Um, but the campaign... I mean, I think the campaign is almost worth the price of the game alone, especially when you consider you can play it for 12 bucks. It's like yeah. you get Game Pass for a month, you buy the Ultimate Pass for $2, that you get the Ultimate Pass for $2 for two months, and you're playing Gears 5 for $12. I mean, that is a no-brainer. In fact, I would just say right now, everyone who owns an Xbox should go get this game. Go yeah. get it on Game Pass for $12. As it's, long as you're willing to play a shooter... Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you like Gears and you're what, go get it. Like, it's a no freaking brainer for $12. And even if you haven't played um, uh, Gears 4 or whatever, like, they have previously on yeah, things. Yeah, it's like to a 10 minute catch up video. And, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, the catch up video on Gears 4 is pretty short. It's like, yeah. It's just like, yeah, they went and found Marcus and the She's swarm having came headaches back and, and she <laughs> found her mom and the end. Yeah. Like, it kind of actually betrays that not much happened in Gears yeah, 4. It does, yeah. Um, it, which is accurate. So, so yeah, it's uh, But I think both of us thump, thumbs up for this oh, yeah. game. Yeah. It's but it's better than I thought it was gonna be. I would argue sure. the reviews are probably a little low on this. Yeah, I mean I can see like not being enthralled by the multiplayer. Like it certainly hasn't tempted me into that space much. Yeah. Um but the campaign is fantastic. It you know, is, man. It's really it well done. It is really, really good. I honestly didn't know if any of Microsoft's first parties had it in them anymore. I didn't either. But I'm like, starting to wonder. Coalition, though. They, they did it. They nailed it. Um, so I see the Jbone29 says, LOL, the multiplayer and Horde are fairly different. I, I would like to hear why you believe that. Um, if you want to add a note. Uh, actually, we're about to jump to our Q&A, so maybe you can type it in, and we'll bring it up when we get to the Q&A. So anyway... There's our takes on the Gears 5 campaign. Both of us love it. We're having a blast with it. I'm almost done. Matt's, you're about halfway, I halfway think. Halfway in. Yeah. 
it's it's great. Um, if anyone's hating on it, don't listen to the haters. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. Tokyo Game Show is coming up. It kicks off on Thursday. As always, you want to be on Sifted.net. We have all the big media, all the big streams, gameplay, trailers, streamers, YouTubers, all that stuff from TGS will be all over the site. Uh, we have a top 10 most anticipated games of Tokyo Game Show coming up. In fact, it might be sitting in my inbox right now. Uh, so when I get right when I get back from this, I should be able to publish it pretty quickly. Uh, but Tokyo Game Show is coming up, and undoubtedly one of the biggest games is a game that we talked about last week, which is the next game kind of in the Resident Evil franchise. It's called Project Resistance, and they've unveiled the debut trailer. Let's take a look. So what do you think about that, Matt? What do you think about them? Like, I don't know. I always looked at Mr. X as like pretty much a zombie, but maybe a little smarter. But now he's like a ringleader of like a. I could like not Saul. possibly care less. <laughs> X gonna give it to you, and that's all I. Know. That's all I know. Like, it's like Saul, kinda. It's like you've trapped these teenagers in these like death rooms, and a you have saw. Okay, yeah. And you have like the control. Are they just Saul, you're, you and your, you and your. Pennsylvania Oh, accent. better call Saul. Saul. I'm like, Saul? Who's Saul? Like, How should I say Saul? You, 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 can't, you can't say it anyway. You just have, you, you have an L at the end of your aw words. You always say Everyone from their, your, that part of the country has it. So add, how do add, you say it? Saw. I don't have an L. Saw. You say Saul. And Abby does it, too. Like anyone, saw. anyone How do you from say it again? Saw. Saw. Yeah. <laughs> saw. There's no L in that word. You say Saul or... Saul. Saul. Yeah, that's a W though. But you have an L sort of sound coming. Interesting. Out. It's like how how Australians when they say like Sa. An, an open uh, like O like no they have an, a kind of an R sound like yeah. no no Sa. Okay. Anyway, it's like Sa. Sa, but in Resident Evil, <laughs> and he's like I mean, supposed I, to be the genius. I mean, ringleader. I don't know. Maybe there's some dude named Saul. I was like, is there a smart guy <laughs> named Saul? Like a mastermind named Saul in Resident Evil? I don't know. Oh, that's funny. Um, so anyway, that is Project Resistance. Oh, that's West Virginia? Okay. Well, I don't know. I, I know I people know. from PA that, that say that say it like yeah. that, too. I we also say Wooder. From, if you're Wooder? from Philadelphia, yeah. oh, you Abby. say Wooder. W-U-D-D-E-R. One of her favorite things about living in England is that no one calls her out on the Wooder thing because they just think she talks weird in general. 
that that is definitely not going to be even if that's like it's a working title. It's not going to be a Resident Evil colon something. No, it's, it's clearly exactly what we thought it was. It's so be far too. away some, from Resident Evil. Some multiplayer Left 4 Deadish sort of thing. Yeah. Or, or uh, what was what was the old one? The Outbreak. Was that? Oh what yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So. It is what it is, but it is probably going to be one of the biggest games at TGS because they're like blowing it out with like stage demos. Yeah, and all push the hell, I'm push the hell out of that. I'm going to push the hell out of Death Stranding. What is it, like 80 minutes of Death Stranding or something? Yeah, they're going to show 80 minutes of Death Stranding. So look for that on the site. Maybe now we'll understand what the hell it's about. Probably still Because apparently not. Kojima doesn't get it. You see that tweet? Where he's, he's like, I don't really understand it. I'm just like, what? what you... uh, first, I want to find uh, the J-Bone29 since he called me out and he seems to think that... Uh, here we go. Uh, they've added arcade mode, which that, that's what I was talking about. The new modes that they showed at E3. I don't know how much you play to that, but it's not good. Um, which isn't just a shotgun fest. I would agree with you that one of the big issues with Gears multiplayer is that it's all shotgun rolling. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that still happens a lot in arcade mode. Uh, each character has a loadout and is more ranged focused, much more casual friendly. Uh, the characters in Horde mode each have different ultimate abilities. Yeah, we know all that. We've talked about that already. I don't think that that changes any of them all that much. They Definitely not for the better in a lot of cases. All right, let's get to some questions. Um, Earth Demon. Eth. Oh, you're right. Has it been Eth Demon all yeah. along? And I've been calling him Earth Demon all mm-hmm. along. Now that it's big enough so my bad eyes can see it. <laughs> Eth Demon. I'm sorry for all this time calling you Earth Demon. Uh, last week, a PAX lead writer of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers was brought to tears by a standing ovation. It was a great gaming moment. We did talk about last week. We did mention it. It was a great gaming moment. What are other great gaming community moments that come to mind for you two? I mean, Zelda at the Nintendo presser. I guess when people freaked out about that. Yeah. I mean, that was that was pretty crazy. I mean that's the most the biggest group moment probably I've ever experienced. I guess. Like I don't. Uh, yeah. I've always had a soft spot for that time that they had a funeral in a PvP zone in War, War, World of Warcraft, and uh, yeah. they got raided. That was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess the. I mean, the Zelda thing is probably the only thing I was that at personally. I mean, yeah, and most of the stuff is Nintendo related because they're the only fans that are really passionate enough, I think, to kind of have mm-hmm. those moments consistently. Um, I think like uh, when Metroid Prime Four was shown at the Nintendo Store in New York, that viral video where everyone like lost their minds. But like, they lose their minds. I mean, they lost their minds when King Dedede was shown. Yeah. It's like, come on, no, you're guys, right. Get yeah. a grip. <laughs> Nobody I, likes Kirby that much. Yeah, I mean, I do love those moments, but honestly, our industry doesn't have that many of them. Not really. It really doesn't. Like most of them are like shame. Like somebody just <laughs> no seriously yeah. though. It's all like about people making fun of somebody else. Like you know. Giant Ridge enemy, Racer, giant enemy, crab. giant enemy crab, hit the weak point. It's always people making, f- and I don't think it's just our industry. It's just kind of like society now. Like people just enjoy flaming and making fun of other people more than anything else. I don't know why our society is twisted that way, but it is. Um, Commander Fett 03, what is your underdog game going into the holiday season? I think Matt may have talked about his today. Did I? Greedfall. Greedfall, yeah. I mean, it's already out, but uh, I mean, I mean it's a fall game. Today, but yeah, so yeah, sorta. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of what else is coming out. I mean, everybody knows mine already. You know what it is. Uh, what's the game? I just said last week. I'm all over, and no one else seems to care. I don't know. Luigi's Mansion Three. Oh right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
That's I, definitely I don't, my game. I don't think your I think sales for that are going to be very strong. You I don't think? Th- I don't think you're alone on that one now. I just it seems like I'm the only one who's excited for it. I mean, you might be in terms of our in terms <laughs> of our circles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to play it, but I'm not like I mean. I forgot it existed until you mentioned it just now. See? But once it gets closer to Halloween, I'll be thinking about it more. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at a, a list, I guess, of what's coming out this fall. Okay. Here's one from Super Cordon Blue. Smash Ultimate has over 80-plus characters at the moment, including DLC. Once the new DLC is released, Smash could have close to 100 characters. I don't understand why Smash fans still demand more from Sakurai. Where does a Smash sequel even go from here? Well, because Smash fans are a crazy and b know that there's always more characters. Yeah, like you know, it, I mean, it can't, there's a million ways. There's still, there could be a thousand characters. Yeah, in there's Smash. still like, thousands no, of yeah. video game characters left that have not been put into Smash. For a sequel, I mean, I don't think you do sequels for Smash. I think you just keep Ultimate moving forward under the next platform and add yeah. some more characters, add some more and stages, scale it for the next console, yeah. and just yeah. that's. I mean, that's your your platform. From I mean, I mean, think of it like World of Warcraft. Like just keep. Keep moving it forward, keep building on it, but never restart it. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Eric Scott, thank you for subscribing via Twitch Prime. 15 months in a row. Thanks, brother. Uh, Derek D112. Oh, his Twitch account was hacked. He's now 112 instead of 111. Sorry to hear that, man. You had your name for a long time. Uh, do you guys see any games this year that has already come out or is supposed to come out this fall that could compete with last year's best, like God of War, Red Dead 2, and Spider-Man? For the best game of the past two years. So, game of the G-O-T-L-Y. <laughs> uh, Star Wars might have a shot, but there's been nothing so far, in my opinion. Gears 5 sounds good, but not game of the year. I'd agree with that with, with Gears 5. Yeah, I mean, um, I think Gears definitely has a shot at, like, campaign of the year. Yeah, um, for sure. We'll see. Uh, I admit, I'm just, I am hoping that um, Jedi Fallen Order nails it. Because that would be I a, hope a it's, candidate. It's one of those candidates. I hope that I mean, it cer- is a candidate. Certainly, Titanfall Two was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if you're just limited to the campaign and the storytelling, because yeah. they did a really good job with that. So, For sure. Uh, fingers crossed there. Uh, I I really hope the Outer Worlds is something good. Although it didn't, Pro- has a demo, lot of promise. Didn't demo very well on at E3 in terms of kind of stability, but like. And I know Obsidian is not the Obsidian they were with Chris Avalon involved, but like I'm hoping that they still pull something interesting out. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that's really on my radar that that screams possible game of the year. I mean, we also kind of talked about this last week, and we're like, hey, look, Resident Evil 2, the remake, is actually, like, still up yeah. there. I mean... It's not been a great year for game of the year candidates. It's cer- been a great cer- year for games. Certainly but- not for what you'd call, like, I don't know, like, AAA prestige games or yeah. something. Um, I mean, I mean honestly, looking, a lot I, of it is because of first-party Sony game hasn't come out other than yeah. Days Gone. I mean, I guess there's the off chance that Death Stranding isn't a giant mess. Um, there's also, I mean, I'm sure that will be the default game of the year for Kojima fans, whether it's good oh, yeah. or not. But, yeah. like, um, you know, Age, Sword and Shield has potential. Um I hope Shenmue 3 doesn't suck. Um, Doom Eternal could catch me off guard and be yeah. the most fun I had all year. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not yeah. going to count that one out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a more muted year than last year. I mean, last year just had, I mean, you don't right. get a God of War and a Spider-Man every year. You know, like, it's... it's we a, got a Red Dead. That's a Red once Dead. every, like, yeah. eight years, at, least, at like, best. 
let's see. This year is, I think, just sort of an off year in some ways, especially because last year we had all those amazing first-party games and then and Red Dead and such. And then next year we got new new systems. Like, 2019 just doesn't compare. Yeah. But there's still some good stuff. Yeah, the Japanese dude says, Kojima said he doesn't exactly know how to categorize Death Stranding's genre. I, we all, we're all right there with him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think he likes it that way. I think he yeah, wants he, people. He to... likes to make up new new words for things. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like tactical espionage action means anything either. We've just heard it so much that we just think, oh, that's what Metal Gear is. Yeah. Uh, Mike's Q. Did you guys discuss the Alec Haulaka situation, or is that too charged to constructively discuss? We did bring it up last week. Yeah, I don't. I don't really see what else there is to say. about Yeah, it. there's not really much to add. It's a an unfortunate situation to say the least. And it looks like it's it. Perfect. Right at 4 o'clock. So there you go. That's Game Face episode 181. Again, uh, we are on iTunes. Head on to iTunes. You can Google it. We're the first result that comes up. Just search Sifted iTunes or Game Face iTunes. It'll pop right up. Even if you watch the show on Sifted or on our Patreon, we'd appreciate it if you could leave us a review and a rating. It helps with the podcast bubbling up. Also, look in the next week for us to appear on Android. Um, which we has been a long time coming. So all of you guys who use Android phones, uh, you'll be able to get our podcast there as well. Uh, folks who are watching on YouTube, thank you for your support. It'd be great if you can help us out with Twitch Prime. If you can't, share the show. If you like the show, share it. Share it on Twitter. Share it on Facebook. Share it on YouTube. If you have other podcasts you like and you've, you're on there and you're like, hey, here's another podcast you guys might like, share it. It can make a big difference for us. So... I think that's it. We'll be back next Tuesday, same bat time, same bat place. We'll be talking Borderlands 3 and probably another gaggle of awesome Mm. games. Uh, Everyone have a great week. We'll see you next time. Game Face is up and out.